No, it's not. It's Monday. Jeez. Oh, boy. It's a Monday. The day I've been waiting for. Well, welcome to the show, everybody. We're going to have a great time this week. All starting tonight on this 17th day of July, 2023. And, um... And I'll just tell you a little bit about what we're doing. Jay Gulinello is in the studio tonight. I think that he hasn't been here since late May. I'll talk to him about that for sure. But it feels like a while. He's been off. He went to. He had. He uh, last time he was on it was right before he went to that uh, that big convention in uh, in Tennessee where Jay Dyer and a bunch of our other friends were there. Kathy O'Brien and and then from there, I mean, everybody's just been so busy. And Jay's doing a lot of great things, and um, and obviously we're always busy over here on the show, and uh, he's going to help me kick off a good week, because we are going to be talking a little bit about um, body positivity tonight, whatever the hell that means. Body positivity in 2023, it, it's body positivity, period, because what the hell do we ever l- learn about that shit? It is essentially the art of ignoring the 900-pound gorilla in the room, you being the gorilla. Okay, so that's the whole thing. Ignore it. Everything's fine. Just keep eating the Oreos. You're fine. You're beautiful. You're beautiful. Just keep eating. So uh, that's what we're going to talk a little bit about tonight. But also, I I mean, just so much. We didn't get into the C40 cities. We didn't get into... uh, It all ties into central bank digital currencies. We're uh, this... The complete reversal of milk... The marketing for milk that we all grew up with in the 80s, 90s, and probably before all that, too, has been completely been reversed. And it just goes hand in hand with so much food freedom, which if you don't have that, you have nothing. And we are uh, it's we're so easily uh, it's so easy for us to tie all this together. And it must be done. Um, All of your calls and all of your super chats, they will be answered in turn like we usually do when Jay is in. So whatever I have in the notes tonight. I just know to plan for at least 35% more shit, and it's all going to be good. So we'll get to him in just a second. Um, tomorrow night, we're going to go through a, just some articles and call-in topics just to fill in the Tuesday. It's going to be a full two hours because Anthony's in Seattle, therefore there is no band practice. But I want to get a little bit... Uh, I want to get a little bit of the Long Island serial killer material on the books because on Friday... 
for about 20 to 30 minutes, uh, Matt and I will be receiving a phone call, a remote Zoom call from Shane Cashman, who has been covering this for years. So I'd love to just be able to do uh, a little bit of a crash course on this with Shane Cashman, someone who um, knows it better than I, at least. Then we can take calls and talk about serial killers and all that fun stuff. And um, because in the end of August, we have a really great true crime guest that's going to be coming on, Mike King from Profiling Evil on YouTube. That's on August 31st, so I I didn't want to wait for this until then. Maybe it could be a bonus question until then. And in the meantime, I'd love to have the Zells back on and do a few other things there, too. Got to keep up with this stuff. Um, I've been bad with this in the past, like, you know, with the whole Idaho murders. That's something I could definitely talk to. I can talk with Mike King about later on in the summer. But we got to do a little little bit more of this. It is um, it's just incredible sociological topics in general because I think that as we were talking about when when Sons of Sam came out on Netflix and I was talking about that series with Frank and Jim Zell I was I had taken so many notes for that that um that series that came out on Netflix and what I was coming to the the conclusion of is that when you consider the time and you consider the government programs, you consider the media, you consider just the change in culture that was going on and how it seemed like we were all, it, it was it was a, a, a breeding ground for serial killers. And I started thinking, well, have we gotten better or have we gotten worse from the 1970s onward? And I, I mean, objectively, we've, we've become a far sicker, mentally ill society. That's on top of just the normal traumas, media traumas, and then pharmaceutical. Uh, reg- I mean, it, it's the there's just so much. So I am coming from the standpoint where I believe there are s- probably so many serial killers on the loose, but it's just not as headline grabbing. I bet you that the, a lot a lot of it is stifled. A lot of it is, uh, is hush hush. I bet you that it, it's just like it's so it's all over the place. That's just from me. It's an opinion. Then we'll see how it shakes out. So on Wednesday night, Wednesday night is going to be incredible. Alaric the Barbarian, very popular on Twitter, history, writer, fantastic guy, and I love his work. We're going to be talking about the Dark Ages, and that might actually overlap with some commentary on the Age of Exploration. Mainly, were the Dark Ages really all that dark, and what is the truth about the Dark We're going to get red-pilled on the Dark Ages. On Wednesday night. That's on the 19th. On the 20th, in studio, Reverend Bill Bean. He's an exorcist, demonic possession. We're going to be talking about all that stuff uh, in studio. See how that all goes. It's our first our first booking on that subject. And uh, I've got a hell of a lot of... Hell of a lot of questions. Forgive the... Uh, no pun intended. Hell of a lot. <laughs> Sorry. So much going on here. And then I already told you on uh, on twenty first on on Friday Matt will be in and I think we're going to be getting a call with uh, Shane Cashman on on Zoom for the Long Island serial killer talk. So all that this week, so much more next week, and it just never stops. And remember, we only have what are we? We're about ten ten days or so away, ten thirteen days or so away from fourteen days from the end of the month in August on Wednesday nights. Quite frankly, Book Club is coming back, 
And I implore you guys and gals, if you are already a monthly sponsor, go out and buy Devil, The Devil in the White City by Eric Larson and get ready for book club. It's going to be so good. It's, I know a lot of people, uh, at least a handful, have reached out to say, Frank, I bought it, and I already started reading it. I'm gripped. Yeah, well, it's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to be amazing, especially once we digest it in that group setting in book club. It, there's nothing like it. It's the best reading of a book you'll ever do because uh, you absorb it so much more. You retain it. Um, it. It's the best experience I've had so far reading books. And if you have not become a sponsor of the show, you should. Go to quitefrankly.tv, go to sponsor us. You can sponsor right through quitefrankly.tv for as little as $2 a month. But if you go to Subscribestar, the, the cheapest there is $5 a month. It doesn't matter what tier you get in at. Wherever you go on Subscribestar, quitefrankly.tv, Patreon still, there's still that's still there. And even Foxhole, everybody gets, um, if you're a monthly subscriber, you get the unlisted links for both book club, other special broadcasts, the Sunday streams, it comes right to you, and that's exclusive. And then about a month or so after the sessions are over, we put it all public, but there's nothing like being there. All right, all right, all right. That's it, that's it. Let's jump in, and let's start the the grab bag up. Jay Goulinell is just chilling out. I might drag him in for a couple of these these uh, articles, because, I don't know, it's all just so nuts. Here's the first one. Oh, there's Jay. What the hell you think you're doing, Jay? Sorry. Get the hell off the screen. So I don't know what the hell he thinks he's doing jumping up like that. Headline, great white sharks spotted near famous nude beach, San Diego life, lifeguards warn. Now, we, are ju- we keep just talking about it with Grace, talking about it just in general. What the hell is with all of the ocean gore lately? It's almost like they want us staying out of the ocean. Well... Southern California lifeguards said they, they spotted at least three juvenile... Gra- Is that for real? No, maybe that's a real thing. Three juvenile great white sharks off the coast of Black Black's Beach on Friday and are warning beachgoers to exercise caution in the area. San Diego Fire Rescue Department posted a photo to the agency's Facebook page of a sign that was to be temporarily installed on the beach warning of the marine life. According to the agency, sharks were feeding on the carcass of sea lion and were not exhibiting aggressive behavior. There's been no other reported sightings of the sharks that were thought to be six, eight, and nine feet long. According to the San Diego Tourism Authority, the area is famous for being one of the largest nude beaches in North America and is known for its giant swells. Get it? Uh, swimming is not generally recommended year-round due to the rough surf conditions created by cliffs. Locals said that the powerful waves make the beach a destination for experienced surfers, especially during the winter. So, if you're out there on the east, on the on the west coast, and you are going nude beaching anytime soon, just stay in the shallow end because you might be, you might not be get, coming home with all of your parts. That's what they want you to know about. All right. Uh, here's another one. Now, oh, man, I got I to bring Jay in for this one. Jay, listen to this. Here's a headline from NBC News. I'll put you back on the screen. A sailor and his dog found after three months stranded in the Pacific. Another ocean horror story. 
He said a stranded sailor and his dog have been rescued in the South Pacific Ocean after months at sea, rescuers told the Australian media over the weekend. The sailor, Tim Shattuck, 51, and Bella, the dog, departed from La, uh, La Paz, Mexico, three months ago. A month into his journey, a storm struck his white ca- uh, uh, catamaran, wiping out all the electronics, according to Nine News. He says he and Bella survived three months at sea eating raw fish and drinking rainwater. They were rescued by Mexican tuna trawler over the weekend, no, a Nine News reported. I have been through a very difficult ordeal at sea, Shattuck told the, the channel, adding that he had fishing and other survival gear with him. Oh, that's good. There's no other way he would have survived. No, no. Um, I'm just needing rest and good food because I've been alone at sea a long time. He said, I have not had food, enough food for a long time. A doctor who retru- who treated Shattuck on the trawler told Nine News that the sailor had normal vital signs. Shattuck and Bella were spotted last week by helicopter accompanying a tuna trawler, uh, which was on its way back to Mexico, according to Nine News. It was un- unclear when Shattuck first left Mexico and where he and Bella were rescued. The trawler was on the way back to the west coast of Mexico where the Shattuck would receive further care. Damn. How long was that again? I, I missed the first part. Three months. Wow. Three months at sea. And he has nothing but just whatever he can fish with and, and rainwater. It's an interesting experiment. You know, you can't experiment on humans because it's unethical, but this guy did an experiment. Whole food diet, fish, water. That's it. Three months. And the doctor said his vitals were normal. That's pretty incredible. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you're, you're getting your essential fatty acids, you're getting your essential amino acids, and you're getting hydrated. Uh, and and, uh, and what can you say about the rainwater that you're collecting in the middle of the, the, the Pacific? I mean, I don't know how far out he was. Right. If a tuna trawler was still, I mean, it has to be within range. If he was somewhere out, I don't know, God knows. I mean, it sounds like the real issue here is that everything that he had on the boat that would be able to connect him to the outside world is shot. Right. Including the ability to, to sail. It seems like he was just adrift. He's got a lot of guts collecting rainwater. That's illegal in a lot of states. Well, I mean, <laughs> to hell that. <laughs> he says Shattuck and his uh, Shattuck said he avoided sunburn by sheltering his boats can, uh, sh- under his boat's canopy, eating raw fish and drinking rainwater. He said if you get sunburn, that affects your ability to regulate your body temperature. Said Mike uh, Tip- Tipton, uh, physiology professor at the Extreme Environment Laboratory, hmm. University of Portsmouth. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So three months at sea. There you have it. Just incredible. All right, what else do we have here? Uh, oh, well, Jay, this is for you too. Woman with a chicken <laughs> bone. A woman with a chicken bone stuck in her throat dissolves it by drinking Coke. Mm. A New Zealand woman who had a small chicken bone lodged in her throat claimed she was prescribed an interesting remedy by an emergency room doctor. Lots of Coke. And I'm talking about the soft drink. Beth Brash recently sat down with New England Magazine Stuff to tell the unusual story of how she managed to get rid of the chicken bone stuck in her neck. It all started when she visited her favorite Wellington restaurant and tried their new chicken dish. To be fair, the staff there asked if she was all right with bones. And having having visited multiple countries where serving meat on the bone was considered normal, she wasn't put off by it. Unfortunately, while eating the spicy dish, the young woman started experiencing a kind of tickling in her throat, which turned out to be a small piece of chicken bone. 
Although alarmed by the sensation in her throat, Brash decided not to make a, uh, not make a scene at the restaurant and even fought through the pain the entire weekend, assuming it would eventually go away. It didn't, so she went to the emergency room first thing on Monday morning. She was informed that she did have a small piece of chicken bone lodged in her throat, but the ENT specialist told her it wasn't cause for concern. The spicy chicken aficionado was relieved to learn that her situation wasn't serious, but she still expected to undergo an invasive procedure to have the bone removed. Instead, the ENT department simply advised her to drink four cans of sugary Coca-Cola <laughs> to dissolve the piece of bone. Jay, how does this survive in our stomach? I know our stomachs are just incredible incubators that can, uh, that can withstand our own bodily acids, but man. Well, this doesn't sound like it was in her stomach. No, I know, but still, uh, you, know, you know what I mean. So, so, but, but there's a huge difference because the, because the esophagus isn't actually an acidic environment. So this sounds like it was somewhere in the, it's some, a, you know, like it's a, right it's in a, here. Yeah. So I mean, it wouldn't be in her actual stomach where the stomach acid could dissolve it. Well, what I'm saying is, the fact that this coke, for this coke is going to dissolve the bone. Yeah. <laughs> the fact that that coke goes down into our stomachs. Oh, I see what you're saying. I'm sorry. It's just yeah, yeah, incredible. Yeah. yeah. And, and look, every once in a while, I'll have I'll have a glass of coke at a at a, at a restaurant. Once in a while, mm -hmm. that or a Dr Pepper, as you know. Yeah. Um, has it? It's been a while, but still, I, people drink a lot of this shit. Oh, I know. Yeah, and the fact that it dissolves bone should tell you something about how much you actually want to have. It's phosphoric acid that that generally reacts with things. So it's interesting that that's. Uh, I just I had a laugh at the advice. It there, worked. Because <laughs> that was the first question I was actually going to ask you: Is that did she have to drink Coca Cola for X amount of time? You know, for like three weeks or something to dissolve it, or or? But it just sounds like four cans did the trick advised her to drink four cans of sugary coca-cola to dissolve the piece of bone she was surprised by the remedy but she went to the supermarket bought four cokes to her amazement she started feeling better the next morning and by the following day she is already back to normal quote that human drain that's human drano for you for body wait wait that human drano for your body for clearing it out that corrosiveness that's what i found really interesting brash said uh, Dr. Byron Betty, chair of general practice in New Zealand, told stuff.co.nz that she had never come across this doctor-prescribed remedy before, but added that it is known fact that Coca-Cola is an acidic drink that can even break down tooth enamel. It's not a sense, uh, exactly the kind of treatment a doctor would prescribe, but if it can prevent invasive procedures, then it's worth a shot. I've also heard, Jay, wow. that Coca-Cola can take the rust off of bicycles. Yes. That it that it's used by by emergency roadside services to take blood off of streets. Yeah, yeah. The phosphoric acid reacts with the iron oxide in rust, and that's how that's how it removes rust. So I was just interested to but you think about but you think about human bone health, and the body can regulate blood pH levels. Uh, but when you're dumping a ton of phosphoric acid into your in into your system, it just really makes you think about that. Because I remember at NTA we talked about the phosphoric acid in soda and how it's it might not be such a great thing for bone mineral density uh but this is just like a sort of really acute case of that so i'm, I'm okay with it but i just laughed because it's such a strange prescription four cokes call me in the morning call get take yeah <laughs> i know no it's serious it, yeah that that's that's really interesting um this on the other hand is going to leave you absolutely horrified can't wait this is the leader of the National Education Association, the largest teachers union in the country. And uh, she was speaking uh, a few days ago. 
this is from Susie1776. She uploaded it on Twitter. Said the members of this union have voted to push critical race theory in all 14,000 school districts. And uh, and I guess this is this is originating from Tommy Robinson News. But you've got to listen to this and uh, embrace yourself. I can hear Chief Seattle crying out to us, urging us to remember when you know who you are, when your mission is clear, and you burn with the inner fire of an unbreakable will. No cold can touch your heart. No deluge can dampen your purpose. And yay, you are those stars in the darkness. Your light will not be dimmed. A teacher's union. Yikes. A teach oh, oh, it goes on. Your purpose will drive you in a righteous fight for freedom because you know who you are. Okay, go fuck yourself. Another, uh, what the, is she talking about? Uh, listen, it, we, are, we are being <laughs> dragged down dragged down to the depths by these crazy Harridan wenches. Wow. It, it's almost always, always women that have been brought to this level. And I, I don't know. I just, I mean, that, that is a teachers' union president. That I mean, I, 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 I expect her to be wearing religious garb. Uh, yeah, exactly. That's yeah. just insane. Well, I mean, that's ideology. Yeah, man, and, and and of course, that's the that's not separate from anything that we're talking about tonight. No, nope, not at all, actually. Holy shit. So, I mean... Well, thank you for that. You're welcome. You're welcome. You want to talk about something, I'll get a bone out of your throat. This woman will definitely dissolve bones. I'm sure she does that a lot at home. Bone crusher. Bone crusher. I ain't never scared. Okay, well, that's it. We'll be right back, ladies and gentlemen. That was the pre-show, and now we are getting this one kicked off. Please, do me a favor. A couple of things. If you are on YouTube, if you are on rumble anywhere that has a like button please please hit it it's like walking into a room and and turning on the light switch just please just do it uh it helps out in such a great way it costs nothing except a nanosecond of your time please like and uh, and share it i put all the links out there across all the quite frankly socials so you can get it out for me uh, and help me out to get more and more people watching this show than ever before and another thing i'm going to keep saying this i have to keep reminding myself Whenever something happens on the show that you think is either hilarious, poignant, um, just something that really represents what the show is all about, that you think should be made into a clip, just write down the timestamp. Write down the timestamp and send it in to us. You can either email it to us or you can go into the Gilded and you can drop it into the quite clippy chat room. Please be a highlight spotter for us because I can I can throw those highlights, those clips over to, to our, our editing crews and they can which is one guy and you can and, and, and you can just clip clip and we can just get this stuff out. If you want to help the show grow, help us be spotters for highlights. It is um we just need volunteers because we're just we're not a, a big crew and, and we need a lot of help. So that's it. Like and share and send in timestamps whenever you see something awesome happening with the show. Go ahead, do it. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. This is Max and Caparato at twelve thousand and sixty feet. You can get as high as I am by watching the Quite Frankly podcast.
you let one ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride! Welcome, welcome ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. It is the 17th day of July, July 17th, 2023, and we've got a lot of great stuff to do. Hey, you know, uh, Jay, I, I talked about it a little bit as I was um, just previewing tonight's show, but how did that thing in Tennessee go? With you? I, I saw, I mean, when you got there, you showed me some of the, 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 the stage crew setting up. It looked like a wonderful oh. um, place to, to do a a talk on anything yeah so how was the overall experience how was your set it was great man i mean I, so i was there ended up doing two events two completely separate events on friday and then the other event was a saturday sunday and i spoke on sunday and um man it, it was just incredible like i the factory in franklin tennessee was where were the pictures that i sent you um what a collection of people frank so you know, I, I didn't know how I was going to be received because I was the only um, health nutrition sort of speaker. Um, you know, people like Patrick Byrne were there, right? Like, you know, so sharing the stage with someone like that was just so interesting for me. I've never had that experience before. Um, but I feel like I was really well received. I, you know, the, because it was a, it was the, the, it was a two day event where people were just speaking one after the other, there was very little transition. Um, sometimes there was a lot of people in the room and sometimes there were less just to, you know, just pure happenstance. And so I got lucky. I had a, I had a good crowd. They were into it and man, you know, they, they, um, they responded and I took a few unofficial polls about, you know, how much did they know of the of the material that I presented because I, I want to tailor this for the future. And um, a lot of people were unaware of, of this stuff. And I think my whole mission is education. And so I kind of just fell in love with just traveling around and talking to people everywhere I go. And, and I've already calculated. I think I've been to... Um, you know, including the states that I live in. I've been to seven states this year already. So it's really been fun. And I, I kind of can't wait to do it more and and more as, as, as time goes on. And sharing the stage with people who have been on this show before was, was a blast. Jay Dyer and and I think you've had Patrick Byrne on yeah. and Kathy O'Brien. And um, yeah, it was just, it was great. It was a lot of fun. Did you get to talk to Kathy? I didn't. No, she was on the day before me and we just never ran into each other. It was a huge venue, huge but, venue. But you, I know that you, you, you spoke with Jay Dyer a little bit. No, now, who was before you and who was after you during the day? Oh, I, I'm trying to remember. There was a guy named Jay Slay right before me. He was just, he's just a, 
a, a Tennessee dad who who uh, who started he created a camp for men like basically for men to help like reclaim masculinity from the people who think masculinity is toxic right. so it was really it was actually really good because a lot of the things he talked about were decline in testosterone not from a health perspective just in general masculinity yeah so that was who was on before me I can't actually remember oh uh, actually Alex Zach I think was right after me so it was a really it was a it was a great I I watched almost everybody so i i watched kathy o'brien speak patrick burner everybody i really enjoyed sitting up in the balcony with a frankly who was there uh gina from south carolina oh, nice. so she was there we we met in person and uh, had a great time you know uh she's she, what, what what a fantastic person she supported me that whole weekend she went to both events just to support and um and there were a lot of Franklies there, man. You were you were you were well represented at this event, and um, I wish I could remember the names of the other people. I did remember them at one point, but it's been over a month, and I forget. But I even signed a a um, show poster with all the faces on there, and um, <laughs> I signed my name on top of Jay Dyer's face because she told the the your your audience member told me to. I said, where, where should I sign? She goes, sign it on Jay Dyer's face. And I said, okay, fine. <laughs> fine. Goodbye, <laughs> so, Jay. Yeah, yeah, see you later, Jay. I erased <laughs> Jay Dyer from existence. But yeah, it was really great, man. And uh, again, you were you were well represented, and and uh, you know people came from other from that woman came from a, a two states away, I think, just because she heard about the event from a few people, and then she heard about me, you know. Talking That's about great. it on this show, so it was great. That's really awesome. Yeah, and you and that was uh, you were on the Meat Mafia podcast. Did you do anything with them? So yeah, absolutely. Their event was was Friday night at a place called Bitcoin Park, and that was a really a health centered event. So they had other doctors there. They had alternative healthcare system CEOs there. I mean, they had farmers. So this is a separate there. event. Completely separate event. So you it okay. just happened. So weird, man. It just happened to be on the same weekend, twenty miles away from each other. So I said, well, I mean. You know, yeah. I was asked to speak at both. How, how how could I pass it up? So I did, and um, the Meat Mafia. If, if if you the 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 clips that are pinned to the top of my Instagram page, they are the they. It was essentially like what you and I are doing right now, only in a live format with an audience of about fifty people in a very small, intimate little room at Bitcoin Park, and. They just filmed it and they put the clips up and the whole you can watch the whole video up on YouTube at the Meat Mafia podcast and um, yeah it was great we had a we had a blast that sounds awesome yeah oh I'm I'm glad you're getting around and um, it always always feels whenever whenever you talk about it afterwards it always sounds like it goes swimmingly so yeah man it's just nice. it's just influencing uh, you know people to think for themselves is really what it's all about and you you, you can see it in people you you when, when when people come up to me afterwards and ask questions genuine questions um, that. That's what it's all about, education. So, well, uh, speaking of thinking, I want to get into a few things. I want to talk about neurotoxins. I want to talk about a few things here, and I, and what we're going to do to open that up. And speaking of Coke, I told you so. I guess everybody gets to say once again. Here is what broke uh, around June 29th, maybe a day before, but this is the the one I I grabbed from Now Digital has been syndicated by MSN. Here's the headline. Cancer Research Agency to to officially now list artificial sweetener aspartame as a possible carcinogen neurotoxin. So for the longest time, 
Let's see. Uh, aspartame will soon be declared a possible carcinogen, possible by a leading health body, according to a to reports used in thousands of edible products, including diet fizzy drinks, ice cream, chewing gum, and one of the most popular common artificial sweeteners is said to be a cancer risk to humans for the first time in the International Agency for Research on Cancer. The World Health Organization's cancer research arm sources have said. Now, for years, people were warning about aspartame and we were getting the same old, oh, hush, hush, hush. And so, I mean, talk a little bit about what kind of work have you done on aspartame? And then maybe just even some most prevalent neurotoxins that people don't even pick up on. Because it, it, it had a lot of attention drawn to it over the years. But still, this is Diet Coke. This is everything. Yeah, yeah. I, I haven't read this study directly. So I... I I've seen some conflicting, and what I always do, you know that, I always try to represent the evidence as it exists, right? And I have my biases, and I, I think aspartame is definitely uh, a detriment to human health for multiple reasons. One, if you're only swapping out an artificial sweetener for sugar, you're, not, you're also not retraining your taste buds to, uh, to that hyper uh, sweet taste, right? So that's, that's, one of the, that's one of the downsides. In terms of its neurotoxicity um i actually found a really interesting paper that actually talked about aspartame saccharin and sucralose and this was animal research but they found that it actually can create lipid peroxides in the brain so what that means is essentially when fats become oxidized uh that's a problem because fats are what make up cell membranes and and when the cell membrane uh composition and function becomes compromised, the cell becomes dysfunctional. Yeah. And so this is happening in the brain of animals when exposed to normal amounts of these three artificial sweeteners. And so what they determined was long-term consumption of artificial sweeteners may have harmful effects on cognition and specifically areas of the hippocampus and cellular integrity in the hippocampus. So when it, when it comes to cancer, I really look at the mitochondria. We've probably talked about the mitochondria a hundred times. Um, the, the only thing I've heard about this study, and again, I haven't read it myself, is a few people pointed out they used really high doses, so that might not be as applicable. Okay, fine. Even if that's the case, I have a litany of things that I'm concerned about with aspartame and the other artificial sweeteners, none of which, uh, if, if, if you actually, use, if you scroll back on my Instagram feed, you'll actually find an original article I wrote about how aspartame came to be and how the FDA sort of finagled it to market. Donald Rumsfeld, believe it or not, had something to do with bringing aspartame to market. Yeah. And yeah. So I, I mean, remember that. Yeah. So there's a whole, there's a whole huge background, but, but, um, yeah. So, so the long story short is I haven't read this exact study. So I'm just going to refrain from commenting on that exact study, but I have a ton of concerns and I'm actually happy for once that these governing bodies are saying, hey, this is a problem and we should look into it. Even if this label of potentially carcinogenic does nothing else, it will now spur further research into the matter. And what I just told you just came from a 2018 pa uh, paper about neurotoxicity so well, that's a, that's a serious concern oh it is but you know they've been putting this in in i don't know like coke products and things like that Gum. since the 1980s yeah absolutely. so so what i don't understand is where what what is going on? is it really just profits is it really just profit that it took 40 years to say hey there's a possibility that this may not be good for human consumption what why, why the 40 year lag just to at least say that there's a possibility now it's hard to know but you would be, well, you wouldn't be shocked, and your audience probably wouldn't be shocked, but I mean, the, the amount of politics that goes into 
food safety would 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 really shock the layperson because and, and honestly it shocked me when I got into the field because again I thought I was just going into a hard science right you do the experiment and if bad things occur you write down the bad things that occur and you put it out there and then when enough of a collection of literature accumulates that says this potentially detrimental effect like glyphosate and that and that'll segue into the next thing because we hear about glyphosate and how it's a how it's toxic for the gut bacteria well i found a paper that shows a recent paper that shows that it crosses the blood brain barrier so that's going to be my next uh on the list of neurotoxic uh molecules right so the answer is yeah i mean most most of the time it's political because from my perspective if i was running an organization like the fda or the usda or the world health organization i would always want to err on the side of caution you know i why are we just allowing these things to market without proper safety testing or in the case of the fda very often safety testing that's paid by the companies that produce the product pharmaceutical companies are famous for this in user fees they pay user fees so you're so you're asking the fda hey how safe is my product here's all the money to research it what, what do you think is going to happen so to me this might just be also an indication that there's some literature out there that exists that has has sort of created that tipping point where now they want to start to cover their asses and say well yeah this 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 may be carcinogenic so what i would tell the public is now start to pay attention to some of the future research that comes out about aspartame because very often this is how they cover their 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 trail right so yeah no i i it's well hey i when it comes to glyphosate that's something that's popping up more and more now too in fact in whenever you are away for the from the show for a couple of weeks or a couple of months there's always just so much that comes that comes across my way from doctors talking about um you know uh, mineral and vitamin deficiencies and how that is you know, they, they make huge claims i wish we can go through all of them cancer itself is something that i i want to do with you again one night sure um because you know y you think about all this stuff that we're eating and drinking and for all of the and I was watching the a little bit of the the all-star game the the baseball all-star game it was last week or the week before I forget when it was I got home and it was by the time I got home it was just about time for the seventh inning stretch and what they did during the all-star game was there's this crazy they get everybody in the stadium involved and they do this whole thing, stand up to cancer. Right. And everybody in the stadium is holding up a sign of someone in their life who has it. Or people they know who, you know, people they're remembering, people who are in the fight, people who are in, who are recovering, you know, whatever. They, they, it runs the gamut. It, all the whole broadcast crew, whatever. I look at all of these things, and this, I think, is the second time that they've done it. And it goes on and on and on. The commercials, it's all cancer. And I understand, oh, they're trying to raise awareness, trying to raise money, trying to, but you know what? I mean, how much more awareness can be raised? It is clear we're not winning the fight. It is clear we're not winning. No. And it only gets, so, I mean, what what is it? It's just, that that is some scary ass shit, man, to think that you could be doing everything right and all, and still you can get clobbered with this. It's just, I feel like we're just steeped in this highly toxic sludge constantly. So do you want the cynical J answer, or do you? <laughs> Listen, I, I, think no, it's I, a, I think it's a cynical situation. Yeah, it is. So I, mean, I don't. You don't have to put a happy face on no, it. No, no, it's an industry. 
it's the it's called it's the cancer industry and hospital after hospital builds these you know these seven story buildings but, but before i was sort of kicked out of my hospital they had just opened this brand new cancer wing meanwhile in my opinion and in the in the opinion of the researchers that are doing the on the ground work the entire paradigm is wrong they're looking at cancer as a genetic disease and it and it's not and we knew this a long time ago Otto Warburg knew this and when the human genome was uh, oh I'm sorry not the human genome when DNA was discovered by Watson and Crick that sort of created this this cottage in, uh, industry and if, if you look at most diseases and I know we're going to talk about this a, a, a little bit in terms of the body positivity movement uh, everything is now blamed on genes everything is genetic so profoundly disempowering and I have a, a quick anecdote about that because I've even now I made a public post about obesity and uh, how it's in my opinion it's not it's not serving anybody to label it genetic like they do with cancer and I actually had I didn't even realize a former professor of mine follows me on social media and she took exception to what I said so this was a very strange situation for me to be arguing with a professor I profoundly respect mm-hmm never had that happen to me before uh but i stood my ground because while she may be incredibly uh talented and has taught me so much about biochemistry i was coming from the angle of of the the social aspect of disease that we have normalized disease to the point now where we're just we're just accepting it as a fait accompli you know this is just the way it is and now you need all these industries to provide these pharmaceutical interventions in order to you know in other words is your body for you know you're you're a cancer patient is your body deficient in chemotherapy drugs you know you're you're i mean we've got this whole paradigm that we are now deficient in some other intervention but i'm telling you that obesity cancer all of these can be traced back to metabolic pathologies and that's where I think it's I think it's empowering to tell people that but it also requires a bit of tough love it's a bitter truth to say that well your lifestyle probably contributed to this right see genetics takes you off the hook for everything that you do as you said I can't remember I don't even think we were on air I think you were just saying oh no you were it was the it was your intro you just sit back it's genetics keep eating your Oreos mm-hmm that's how you get obese and cancer <laughs> you know you just you have these these evolutionary mismatches in terms of like lowercase e evolution just the the evolution of human biology and how we are not suited for a modern lifestyle the chronic sitting the light exposure the food the emfs the whole thing it's a it's a toxic soup so they they want to push us in the genetic direction because that they have the solution for that the if if it's a metabolic condition obesity or cancer well guess what then it becomes much more in your control and lifestyle factors are profoundly effective they're also incredibly cheap and nobody can really profit off them so now you can begin to see why the paradigm is constructed the way it is i know you know this and most of your audience knows this but it's incredibly important to point out that this is very often done on some levels intentionally and on other levels the people working in the cancer centers they really want to find a cure for cancer oh i i i, I don't doubt it absolutely do i don't they, doubt it but their paradigm is wrong and if and I've, I've said his name on the show before if we do a whole cancer episode your audience should look into the work of thomas seafried at boston college that man probably knows more about cancer than anybody on earth and he is adamant about it being a metabolic disease, and he has done some amazing experiments. No matter what, no matter what the, the the kind of cancer it is, 
Yes, 99.9%, you know, and some people will say, well, what about children? Yes, well, so here's the thing, right? So uh, the maternal environment also dictates this. So if the maternal environment, if the mother has a metabolic issue going on, that could create a polymorphism in a gene that could then drive the cancer process. So you know what I mean? So it's not, it's not black and white, but, but, but if we could wipe out cancer from the metabolic point of view, cancer would be an afterthought it would be it would still exist but it would be the rarest of the rare and i mean could i mean couldn't we all agree that would be a good thing oh absolutely so so i think that's i think that's i'm sorry that's a really long-winded way of getting around to your answer but 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 it is um the that's why the body positivity movement i think is so is so bad for people and we see headlines in on cosmopolitan you know cosmo has a headline and they show clinically obese women and the headline is this is healthy that's the headline this is healthy and i and i just i pulled like a couple of other headlines like uh nbc news just the other day a body mass index in range considered overweight or even obese is not necessarily associated with a higher risk of death well a 2019 paper showed us that less than one percent of obese people are metabolically healthy so uh, so i mean that messaging who is that serving the pharmaceutical companies maybe but it's not or the food manufacturers of, of oreos and all, all the other ultra processed even foods. honestly jay even sociopolitically i don't know who it serves because right. it's if you want to uh it has become a very political uh, it's very factioned off mm-hmm. people who are just they they live this way they embrace it in a certain way they're carrying a banner for one one faction or another and it is always very political ideologically driven yes but if you're but if the end result is people living shorter unhealthier unproductive <laughs> lives i mean and even just uh, uh, functioning less and less then what the hell uh who rule is it's just like ruling over ashes at that point yeah and and frank i mean uh, you know i this is what i mean about telling the tough truths because all i care about is helping people stay away from chronic disease. And if you're going to hate me for saying that obesity is not healthy, then okay. But if you take my message to heart and you do something about it, then I'll be hated. It's fine. I don't mind. I don't have to be loved by everybody. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I really don't mind. I, I just, but I'm not going to get involved in telling you the sweet little lies and the, and, and the, you know, the things you want to hear now at the expense of your long-term health. And I've said this on your show before. That's literally my job is to tell you the truth. And it's every other clinician's job as well. But some people want to get more. And, and this was the argument that my professor was having. And at the time, I couldn't remember the headline, um, that Cosmo headline. that you know, Because she said, no one's arguing obesity is healthy. And, I, and I'm like, um, yes, uh, they are. Yeah, they are. Yes, they are. And that's where, you know, maybe if you spend too much time in academia and not enough time in the real world, you don't understand that perspective. And so I was extremely cordial. And, and again, I fully respect this professor, but not everybody, you know, I, I'm, I'm, you know me, I come at this not from just a biochemistry perspective, but I also have the geopolitical, the social, I, 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 I weave all these into what I do because I think it's important in being an effective uh, educator and clinician today. You know, uh- I and I'm just I'm just going to I don't know I'm just going to assume with some things here in in suggesting that there's another place to go there's another route to take outside of what everybody this allopathic way of of doing things where you are given the option of uh, radiation surgery and chemo you're given those for something like 
cancer. That is the option that almost everybody's going to give you. Um, and then it, here's the, the thing is that for, for people to hear that, oh, no, 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 all that is just it's, it's going to hurt you. It's going to hurt you. It, it, it makes things it makes things really hard for people who are already scared out of their minds. Right. The fear factor. I mean, I think about it, too, Jay. And I, and I was, I was going to, well, you know, I guess I was going to save that for a night that we were, we were going to do. But now that it just came up like I, you think about going about so many perfectly healthy people who were you know eating clean active they don't you know don't think that there's anything wrong then suddenly they get diagnosed with something um and then all of a sudden it is all right well i've taken a hard line stance on one thing or another my entire life am i really ready to put my my money where my mouth is because Mm -hmm. this is this could be the big dance here right um that that's something that scares the shit out of people, and it, almost like when we talk about vaccine safeties, safety um, uh, profiles and things like that, and we start talking about other issues that are going on with children after however many generations of these these shot schedules getting bigger and bigger and bigger. It same thing goes with the the kind of the 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 the, uh, the the lashing out that you get from some parents who don't want to even be suggested that choices they made out of nothing but love and concern for their ch- children's health could have in some way backfired you know i, I it's it's a scary thing uh, it, they put us into this this dark corner and we just you know i don't know I, that's it's like so if you ever had god forbid some sort of a diagnosis you would never ever consider chemo no matter how they said this is this is what you need to do no Never. I mean, I've, I've done the stats on the show. I was just looking at it while you were talking. I couldn't find the, 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 the paper, but off the top of my head, I believe less than 5%, I think, is the, is the, is the, is the effectiveness of, of the standard of care. Um, and, and I also, and I couldn't find that stat, and I, and I will find it, uh, but, um, but the cancer industry is, is set to eclipse uh, $236 billion in 2024 in terms of profits. It's a profit-driven industry. Uh, and I'm not convinced that everybody, again, the, the sort of lower level cancer researchers are looking, but you listen to, you listen to one podcast with Thomas Seafried and listen to the frustration in that man's voice because his colleagues won't even consider his protocols, which have, he has written case studies on and he has people alive today who the cancer, the, the standard of care cancer doctors said would have been dead years ago. They're still alive today because they did his metabolic therapy, which consists of a whole bunch of different things. But, and he deals with glioblastoma, some of the most aggressive forms of cancer in the brain. And he's having wild success. So two things, cancer prevention is big, which is why I'm an advocate of things like fasting for autophagy, um, cleaning up your metabolic house. Um, You're gonna significantly decrease your risks, but standard of care has shown Really, I mean, it's it's a. I always use this analogy. It's a it's a nuclear bomb to an ant problem approach. It'll kill the cancer cells. Uh, very often, though, they come back and they'll tell you, well, it's you know, well, the cancer's gone. Oh no, it's you know, it it came back. Seafried says it was always there. It was always there. It's you're, because you're not really addressing the problem. So again, he he could speak to it, you know, far better than I could. But to answer your question, no. No, I wouldn't. I, I, I already have in my head a list of things that I would probably do, and most of them are 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 Seafried's protocol and a few other things. If that if that 
if I was ever put in that position. Have you ever spoken with him? No, but and he's at, at Boston College, too, which is right around the corner. So you, I, I've, I've considered... You're going to have a brand soon, uh, yeah. Jay. I mean, you're building it already up, but you're going to have a brand sooner than later that that you'll you'll be able to gain an audience with him. Yeah. Um, especially if you, you keep doing your own... Your, I know that you do some podcasts on your locals now and things like that you upload audio and whatever i mean that's uh that would be amazing for you for to hear in a conversation between you and he absolutely yeah i mean i you know part, part of me wants to introduce uh him to you you know and and uh and, and see you know I, I just think that message is so incredibly important in fact when people come to me asking me this question about cancer he's the first place i go because he's had such wild success and it's always been in the back of my mind even before I knew about him. And then randomly one day in grad school, my pathophysiology professor pulls up a Thomas Seafried lecture. We're sitting in class and my professor pulls up a Thomas Seafried lecture and I was like, wow, this is amazing, right? And I had already, I had already known about the mechanisms in my head because I understand the, the biochemistry, I understand the Warburg effect, which is how cancer cells, what they use as a fuel source. And so his whole theory is we deprive the cell of its fuel, not allow it to replicate. And then we're able to, you know, instead of again, the nuclear bomb uh, to an ant problem approach. And so he's just a fascinating guy, fascinating listen. He's an older guy. So what I love about him is that he, he doesn't pull any punches. He straight up talks about the cancer industry the way I think people should talk about the cancer industry, that it's for profit and they're not really interested in what he has to say, which is really, really damning. Mm. Uh, speaking of uh, the cancer a little bit more and about shifting standards, at least so socially and everything like that. Um, now, I know that you are, just from all of the work that we've done together now, I know that you're fine with dairy as long as we're talking raw you know, raw dairies, cheeses, things like that. But regardless, you have to, these are billboards that have gone up all over, uh, well, I don't know what, which parts of the country, but um, it's, they've been popping up and I had this sent to me and then I went out and I found some articles that were covering them. And at least some people are starting with this. And we know that, okay, we say it's an outlier. It's a small little group of people. Maybe they're animal rights activists or one, one thing or another. They're vegans, they're crazy. Whatever the hell you you can think, it always starts off with small things, and then it becomes bigger and bigger. <laughs> so, here is the headline. Oh no, no, here's the billboard. When now we grew up with generations of got milk and milk does a body good. That's real. And this this is this this billboard right there. Winners don't drink milk. Wow. You're a loser if you drink it today. <laughs> Uh, so here's what they here's what was attached to this. Research shows that dairy products, including milk, increases prostate cancer risk, re, uh, recurrence, and mortality. High intakes of dairy products, including whole and low-fat milk, increase the risk of prostate, prostate cancer, according to meta-analysis that, that looked at 32 studies. In another study, men who consumed three or more servings of dairy products a day had a 141% higher risk for death due to prostate cancer compared to those who consumed less than one serving. Drinking milk also increases breast cancer risk. A study found that women who consumed one-fourth to one-third a cup of cow's milk per day had a 30% increased chance for breast cancer. One cup per day increased the risk by 50% and two to three cups were associated with an 80% increased risk of breast cancer. Scientific, I mean, I, I, there's two more small paragraphs that go along. Asthma, cognitive decline, heart disease, early death, uh, I mean, 
what the fuck? What kind of milk is this? Okay, so <laughs> real? <laughs> yeah. So here's the thing. This is the thing about nutritional epidemiology. The word, the key word in all that jumbled mess is associated with. That tells you nothing about causation. These are, epi they're called epidemiological observational studies. And what they cannot do is create a, an arrow of causation. They cannot say one thing causes the other unless they took people, had them drink milk, followed them, and then figured out, you know. Um, and so it might shock your audience to know that I would have to look at the individual studies, but I have seen food frequency questionnaires are generally how they determine what somebody ate or drank. And very often what they'll do is, depending on how long the study is, I've seen some studies that will go on for 10 or even 20 years, and they will only send you a questionnaire once every year, once every five years. One study I saw uh, over 20 years sent one in the beginning, one in the middle, in other words, a decade later, and then one at the end, two decades later. And they're asking you in those food frequency questionnaires to tell them, how many cups of milk have you drank? <laughs> I mean, it is, these are beyond useless, beyond useless. Anybody that has a scientific background understands that these epidemiological studies, especially for nutrition, one of the most highly regarded epidemiologists in the world, one of the most cited in the world, John Ioannidis out of Stanford, is notorious for saying, these studies are why nobody trusts nutritional epidemiology because they can show a, you can find a study that will show you an association between everything. And I think again, on this show, I've said to you before, there are websites that are devoted to these sort of spurious correlations, like the divorce rate in Maine uh, is correlated, is associated with the amount of margarine consumed, right? These things have nothing to do with each other, <laughs> but they correlate well in a graph. Right. And that's what they're doing here. So. That's, that's sort of the baseline thing, right? I just wanna, you know, and then what you would have to do is figure out, first of all, as you said, who, who funded the, the billboards, who funded the studies, because that doesn't mean the study is poor quality automatically, but you certainly need to know that because I have seen studies where the Canola Association and every single author is employed by the Canola Association of Canada, and lo and behold, they find canola oil is a fantastically hard, healthy oil to consume. Yeah. So you do have to consider the funding source. So, so this is how I break down literature. If you want to know how to do it, that's how you have to do it. You have to understand, first of all, what kind of study it is. You have to look at, very often, you have to look at the appendix to figure out where the data, the raw data is coming from. So forget about their increases. Are they using relative risk? Are they using absolute risk? I mean, these things are so important because they can make everything look scary. In other words, if something goes from 1% to 2%, that's really only a, a, a relative increase of 1%, or it's an absolute increase of 1%, one, 1 but it's a relative increase of 100% from, right. one, from 1 to 2. Right. So those numbers, they can manipulate them to make them sound incredibly scary. And that sounds exactly like what they're doing there. Again, not having ever, you just t you know mentioned this to me now, I haven't even looked at the studies, but I'm going to guess from the wording that you were using, just from the wording, I can tell what kind of studies they were. So that's incredibly important. So yeah, I mean, what I would say is to put very little stock in any of those associations at all until you can put people in a laboratory and you can actually test these outcomes. Yeah, and you know, I'm always very interested 
especially in the last couple of years, is where I'm getting dairy products. Mm -hmm. uh, as Source I just, matter, I just yeah. put in the chat room uh, a couple of minutes ago that you know I, I have to go pick up in a couple of days. I pick up another uh, another delivery from the Amish. You know, I've got I've got my not only the raw milk but the raw chocolate milk because Aurora enjoys that. Mm -hmm. And then there's the um, and then I love their their baby Swiss cheese. <laughs> um, I I love you know a few other things there too. So I mean that is. But of course, that that farm you know about them. Oh yeah, you have probably gotten the emails too, where assurances come in every once in a while. If there's ever a vaccine or mRNA uh, push, we will never be vaccinating our cows. We're never going to be pumping them through this and that. So you know that this is clean product. You know that these are healthy animals. They're grazing. They're outside. They're not. You know. I look at um, to say to say oh stay away from the milk. Obviously, this is stay, saying it for another reason. I uh, I'm I, I'm skeptical about most milk that you can pick up. You know, a quart of milk that you pick up from a uh, a Cumberland farm somewhere. Because sure. I'm thinking about antibiotics or you know I I still need to know more about the pasteurization process or homogenization. I want to know like what like what's the claim and what does right. it really what does it really achieve and. And I will tell you now, I'm not even a big milk drinker. I, I, I much prefer fermented dairy. I think it's just a healthier product. However, the sourcing does matter. Raw does matter. And the Amish farms where I get mine from and you get yours from, uh, considerably different health profile. And it's funny that you bring that up because I don't know if you saw the other day on Instagram. I, I reposted one of my own posts from two years ago that was actually, and so it's funny, it's going to tie in a couple of threads here this was a 2011 study in nutrition and cancer and they were looking at uh, an amish cohort in o ohio compared to a non-amish cohort and even though the amish consumed more overall calories more saturated fat less polyunsaturated fat which is those uh, vegetable seed oils less vegetables in general they also consumed less alcohol they smoked less um less low fat dairy so they were eating full fat raw dairy um, and they all, all obviously ate more of their foods at home their cancer rates were almost half of non-Amish people so they're essentially anti-dietary guidelines and they're consuming plenty of dairy right from their cows and yet in terms of cancer and remember this these populations these Amish populations unfortunately they're not unadulterated anymore right like Western food Western society has invaded their space so they're not even a pure cohort anymore but even that being the case in fact i have seen sadly some amish farms sell products that have things like canola oil in them which just goes to show you that even the messaging is so powerful that it's even penetrated some of these people um but even so their cancer rates were almost half that per thousand uh, per 100,000 in in ohio so they were they were even geographically similar so if you're talking about environmental exposure it would be similar so i just thought that was an interesting it was an interesting study and it, and it goes to show you that again all the foods that we're being pushed away from what do they all have in common they're all natural foods now again a, a version of milk in the supermarket most of it being stripped of nutrients and pasteurized depending on what the temperature was so there's a whole bunch of different temperatures for pasteurization but raw milk raw dairy in general incredibly incredibly beneficial and i i pulled one study just to kind of complete the conspiracy theory if you want uh this actually was so okay so obesity has a negative influence on male fertility uh and weight loss promotes 
male fertility. Milk improves fertility in both men and women, according to this 2021 paper in the journal Nutrients. And so my question to you, Frank, I think when we talked on the phone earlier was what are we replacing the milk with? And usually it's something like a soy milk, which has something called isoflavones in it. Well, isoflavones have a negative impact on male fertility. So, you know, if you want to look at the larger picture, things like mRNA, gene therapies, all of the foods that are lowering testosterone, all of the chemicals that are lowering testosterone, destroying fertility. Well, if you switch from regular milk, if you are a milk drinker to soy milk, that could also be an issue with fertility, especially in males. So I, I, I would, without knowing anything about this story, I would say the push away from natural animal products is consistent. It's red meat, it's butter, it's saturated fat, it's dairy, it's all of this stuff. In fact, dairy and meat are two of the things that Mayor Adams is, uh, of New York is going to start tracking because right. of the carbon footprint in the C40 cities. So I'm, I'm glad you brought it up. I'm, gl I'm glad you, you, you brought up, especially at the end there, too, the consistency throughout all of those things. Yes. Because uh, that is on a very substantive physical dietary level. Yeah. And then you start adding in the other la layers that are all mm -hmm. educational, psychological, uh, pharmaceutical. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of different things that are getting us to almost check out we are checking ourselves out of all of the natural cycles that we were supposed to be engaging in <laughs> through instinct to yes. continue our species. Yes, you know, I mean, we, I mean, we're, we're being, we're having our diet and our behavior altered, our mind altered through education, through media, and through pharmaceuticals, and it is, it, we are just checking out. It seems. Well, and let me go back to that paper because I want to give you f this ties in the sort of toxic masculinity. Uh, initial part of our conversation from the same paper. Now, this was not observational. This was interventional. In other words, they gave some people a placebo, they gave other people milk, and this is what they found, that ingestion of high-protein dairy milk post-exercise and pre-sleep during a six-week resistance training program augmented lean mass, strength, power, and altered serum concentrations of skeletal muscle regulatory markers in trained young males compared to placebo. So, milk really does do a body good and what i would say is that's even the they're probably not using raw milk in this study so even your your supermarket milks which i would not really consume uh just goes to show you that even those can improve strength performance skeletal muscle mass all of these things that are very very tightly correlated with longevity so i'll say again men in general i steer them away from soy. I don't, I don't find very many benefits at all, if any. I don't consume any soy in anything. And if you're gonna do dairy, do real raw dairy. And if you can't get raw dairy, then do things like kefir and yogurt, because at least those are fermented and they're, they're you know, gonna be a little bit better for you. I don't really think milk is a necessity. I have it every once in a while. If, when I get it raw from a farmer, if I just feel like it um, every once in a while, but mostly it's kefir is in my refrigerator all the time and yogurt is in there all the time as well. So. Well, keep in mind the um, the C40s because let's yeah. get let's get the C40 city thing done as soon as we get back from intermission, sure. and then we'll do that and a couple other things, and then we'll just jump into all of the super chats that are coming in and take calls if we have time. But there's a uh, good stuff, good stuff. Don't go anywhere, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it's it's another night with Jay Gulenello. It's as uh, as awesome as smooth sailing as I knew it would be. So we'll be right back. It's intermission time, folks. Time out to press the like button. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen.
entering, quite frankly. 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 We all support quite frankly. Not quite. Quite frankly. Joe Brandon. Quite frankly. In Roma, Italia. Quite frankly. You're going on Frank's show tonight? I want to get a Coke. Can I get a Coke? So everybody watch. Quite frankly. With Frank. Quite frankly, how dare you? Yes, 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 we are back. We are back. I, I want to just uh, encourage everybody out there again, like share the show but especially like the show just it's almost like lighting a candle please <laughs> it takes nothing and it helps out a lot also remember to write down submit timestamps for highlights to be made help me out help out the whole crew over here timestamp spotters are so important so please you can you can tag us in those on the quite frankly gilded chat there's the quite clippy room you can just just tag me anywhere or you can send it into email and i'll pass those along to our video our video mensch al gorbachev so <laughs> there you go thank you so much um jay there's a few things here what the hell i was gonna say i oh. like the name quite clippy quite clippy <laughs> i know it's... it reminds me of that little paper clip on the side of microsoft oh, yeah. Word back in the day clippy <laughs> helps you helps you get through your first yeah your first term papers <laughs> oh man i forgot about clippy you're so cute hey you know <laughs> let me ask you that you know you're talking about the you're talking about the the rates of cancer that were being studied in the amish communities mm. well i saw a, quite a stir on the internet the last mm -hmm. week and a half yeah. Uh, yeah they're talking about they're talking about metabolic situations too, but learning, learning uh, disabilities, uh, things like that, um, where th this 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 people got a lot, you know, up in arms when they said, "Hey, you know that autism is barely non-existent; is pretty much non-existent in in Amish circles." And uh, of course, that that leads to why and. People just don't have very uncomfortable conversations, but they're happening. I don't think they like that there's a control group out there like the Amish. They do not. No. The the, 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 the first rule of pharma, destroy the control group. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I haven't read that either. I, I, I was meaning to, and that that's actually the exact uh, study that spurred me to repost that post that I did from two years ago because I thought it was so interesting when i originally posted it because this you know i didn't even know there were any studies done on the amish and um yeah i think that's probably why they're being infected by western food you know because they don't want the control group because no. because quite honestly in my opinion autism is multifactorial uh it certainly has to do with an, an obscene amount of a, of a, a cdc schedule and and by the way not to get too off topic but i mean the cdc what are they doing lately? Have you, did you see the headline recently about 
males being able to breastfeed? Oh, yes. Okay, so this is the CDC. You wonder why the public has no trust in them. They are at, a, they are at odds with reality now, the CDC, the Center for Disease Control. So God forbid we ever actually need them for something, Frank. Nobody is going to trust them. They are the little CDC who cried wolf. They are, that whole thing needs to be, you know, burned to the ground, not literally, no, figuratively. Literally. No, it's all <laughs> figurative. Know, broken down to the studs, whatever you want, however you want to, you know, and we need to start over. I mean, they, they can't continue on this trajectory. And so it makes you wonder, well, we, we also know from RFK Jr., they've never tested the entire childhood schedule. They've never tested those against each other, just like they don't do with food additives. They'll test them individually, but they don't test them in conjunction. Well, if you're taking them in conjunction, you must test them in conjunction. So, I mean, this is the thing. These people why, wonder why the news, they bemoan the fact that Americans don't trust these governing bodies. This is why. Well, this is why. we started this show off with a, a, a ranting, raving lunatic who... Um, who's just the head of a teacher's union. I really think that, you know, for all of the, the, the morons out there that talk about late state, late phase capitalism, late phase, this is late phase of any society. Mm. And, and that kind of craziness that is, that is on display, like we saw with the, the teacher's union president, is on display in, in just as flamboyant ways and, and other su more subtle ways in CDC, in institutions yes. all over the place. I mean, it's the same mentality. Yeah. And then once once they start losing people completely, that's when the histrionics come out. Mm -hmm. And that's when they start beating their chest and and, and, and and speaking as if they're Gandalf or something. I don't know what, what, it, what it is. Well, she didn't, I mean, I didn't hear the word writing, reading, or arithmetic in that whole insane rant. It reminds me of that Billy Madison. <laughs> you know, and at no point did you <laughs> even come close to something resembling a coherent thought. We were all dumber for having listened to you that's what i thought of when i was listening to her. and she dictates down to an army of teachers right right so yeah i mean pull your kids out of public schools but but but, <laughs> but to your but to your point we, we're talking about it's never disconnected from what no. you see at the at the cdc no i mean for anybody there to to um to be taking on any kind of a a role that is in some way shape or form medical or uh, I don't know what, whatever regulatory in any way, shape, or form, and and you're there. What as a primary function, make sure that people stay safe. Right. And you're you're going out there and suggesting that men can breastfeed. Yeah. And, what? Yeah. So I mean, you're you're display you're what you're displaying is an unwillingness to connect to reality. How the hell are you going to assess anything else rationally? Well, right. I mean, and when we saw what they did the last three years of complete irrational behavior, you know, I love those memes, and I th I hope people continue to do this because it's so important. You know, people like to put COVID in the rearview mirror, and trust me, I don't. I wish we didn't have to continue to talk about it. But in some ways, we need to continue to talk about it because the next one is right around the corner. And we cannot forget what these people did in the name of science. And, and I feel, as someone who was studying science and then graduated with a master's degree in science in the middle of all that, I was quite embarrassed to say, I have a master's degree in science, for whatever that's worth anymore. Because science was completely thrown out the window. So it's, just, it's really important that we remember these things. And, you know, it's just, it, you're right. It's a symptom of, of a larger issue. And uh, I know you had Mickey Willis on recently. So you saw Plandemic 3. Mm -hmm. Brilliant piece. Brilliant piece. I mean, just love the way he outlined it 
from start to finish um, using the sort of um, uh, G. Edward Griffin, right? And who you've also had on the show, who, which, which was a great interview. So I, I just, I think it's all of these worlds are starting to collide. And then it makes you realize, as you said, that almost nothing is disconnected. So, yeah. yeah. Nothing, nothing, almost nothing. Um, let's see, let's see. Okay, let's. Did you have anything before we go into some super oh, chats? Oh yes, I'm sorry, I found that paper. So this is from 2004, Clinical Oncology. The overall contribution of curative and adjuvant cytotoxic chemotherapy to the five-year survival rate in adults was estimated to be 2.3 percent in Australia and 2.1 percent in the USA. So I just wanted to. That was the paper I was referencing from before. It's okay. 2004, so it's 20 years old now. So maybe things have gotten better, but. Not that much better. Well, here's our first question of the night. This is from Gina from South Carolina. <laughs> and Gina says, I was at peak health in 2015 when I was diagnosed with stage one breast cancer. I concluded it was from tucking my cell phone in my bra. Oh. I've seen a lot of that. EMFs, yeah. Yeah. I opted for chemo because of pressure from my doctor and family. Chemo wrecks your body and takes a long time to, de to detox from it, she says. Yeah, that's <clears throat> that's the thing. Well, first of all, I'm glad you you beat it. Uh, and now, now knowing Gina, knowing that her metabolic health is probably so much better even than it was back then, but that just goes to show you, right? The multifactorial approach. EMS have a profound effect on the mitochondria because if you understand the 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 bioenergetics of the mitochondria, it's essentially a battery. So. So of course frequency is going to matter. Electromagnetic frequencies are going to matter to the to the functionality of the mitochondria. So over time, if you're damaging the mitochondria, the cells become damaged, and then as I always say, the cells lead to tissue dysfunction, then organ dysfunction, and then eventually organism dysfunction. So I'm 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 glad you understand that now, Gina. I mean sometimes we have to learn things the hard way, and I I certainly learn things the hard way. But you know my job now is to try to get people educated and hope we can get them out of the way of the oncoming train. I, uh, well, well, there's a lot of shuffling going around around at my home right now, but when it's all gets uh, settled in and we're all settled settled after months of, of work and stuff, <laughs> uh, that's one of the things that I'm, I'm, I'm going to do. I'm going to look into a lot of uh, EMF dispersion. Mm -hmm. I'm also going to, for the first time, figure out how to put the, the Wi-Fi router on a timer so that it is off during sleeping hours. Yep. Uh, just so that there's at least seven to eight hours where our bodies aren't getting totally. I mean, I mean, I understand it's coming from satellites. Of it, course, it's over of all. Course. Over. I don't know what the hell to do. Put, no. put, put, put the, the, the lead curtains. I don't know what the fuck. Sleep to do. in a Faraday sleeping bag. Right. I'm gonna sleep in a microwave. <laughs> so you know, I, I do what I can, but that's. I, I'm keeping those things in in mind. Well, Frank, that's the thing. You, you need to do what you can. None of us is gonna get out of this alive, but and also none of the none of us have all the answers so we just do the best we can with what we've got so that's you know get it you can get a kill switch yeah so well, just one one switch shuts that thing down at night and then at least your most direct exposure is mitigated yep that's what i'm going to be doing um let's see here ruben said ruben says can you ask jay his thoughts on drinking diluted food grade hydrogen peroxide as a daily routine and if he knows any benefits thank you oh boy i i'll have to get back to you on that one I know people sw swish and gargle with it. Yeah, as an antiseptic, but... Um, I've seen hydrogen peroxide therapy, but I never knew how it was administered. Yeah. Um, in a lot of a lot of natural cures books, and th sure. especially when it comes to cancer. Yep. Because, you know, there's a... I, I forget what... The, it was an Italian scientist that, that uh, brought it all back down to uh, fungus and it, a lot of 
it was a lot of hydrogen peroxide baking so i forget what the hell it was there's been just incredible stories that have been stifled over the years whether they have merit or not the fact that they're harder and harder to recall um i would love to hear about that whenever you yeah, get a chance to yeah look into i mean it. it's, it's it's a it's a it's actually produced in the mitochondria through normal cellular respiration as a reactive oxygen species so it needs to be quenched by by our body's antioxidant systems but that might not necessarily be the same. So in other words, it, it needs to be mitigated. So the first, my first thought would be, well, it's probably not a good idea, but that's not often how the body works. So I would want to, before I would speak on it, I would want to do a little bit more research. Oh yeah. Well, great question. Well, it's out, it's out there now. Uh, Stostube says, Frank, always a pleasure to start a week off right with quite frankly, but damn, what a bonus with one of the, with the one and only Jay Gulinello <laughs> in the house. Thank you, Frank and Jay. Thank well, you, Stostu. Thank you. Katie Sky says a lot of influencers have started. Watch out for those influencers, Jay. <laughs> uh, I am never going to call myself an influencer. Don't, please don't, don't call me an influencer. Please. You work too hard to be I called that. I hate that term. <laughs> a lot of influencers have started citing studies that show that high intensity exercise produce more auto uh, autophagy than fasting does. How do you feel about the high intensity exercise as opposed to ever shrinking feeding windows? Well, why can't we have both? I, I was I was going to ask the same thing. Yeah, I mean, I actually do both. I do high intensity interval training and fat and and, uh, but fasting has other benefits other than just autophagy. You know, multiple cellular systems uh, are able to reset. Hormones are able to reset things like insulin. Um, and again, and we're we're designed, from my perspective, biochemically, we're designed to fast because we have multiple counter regulatory hormones that are designed to increase blood sugar in the fasted state but we only have one hormone that's designed to decrease blood sugar in the fed state insulin so that tells me that throughout human history we've gone through far more periods of low blood sugar where where these counter-regulatory hormones needed to stick around than we ever have now which is why i think the modern food environment is very dangerous for us that that 24-hour food environment because we've only got one hormone insulin that's designed to lower blood sugar which is why hyperinsulinemia that chronic elevated insulin is associated with so many pathophysiologies because it's never it was never meant to be that high you know so i i, I try to i would say um i would love to see those studies but i i absolutely think hit training uh actually i do hit training in the fasted state so i actually combine them both literally simultaneously um but yeah i'm i'm a i'm a big fan of both and don't see why we why we can't incorporate both what a thoughtful answer <laughs> it's a great question well i i'm glad you know my obviously i'm coming from a lot more of a shallow understanding of the whole thing but the first thing i thought was well why not both you know i and in fact i time my workout for the day I mean, I mean, some days I do it a lot earlier if I go work out with Rob or something at, at the park or something. But if uh, if my eating window begins around two, on average, I'm not eating until three now. And sometimes I, I push it a lot, a lot smaller. Mm -hmm. But I'll always time my workout for that 45 minutes prior to prior to. So, I mean, I don't know. It's like with an hour leading up to my first meal, I'm usually trying to kick ass. Yeah, and I, I love I love fasted workouts. I have such a uh, the 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 ketones in the brain, the cognitive aspect of a workout. Workouts are very mental for me. So if my brain is in it, then then my workouts are better. And I would also say the the ever shrinking eating window because that last comment was really important. 
I don't think that you should be chronically shrinking the eating window to the point where, you know, you have a six minute eating window and you've got to, you know what I mean? So, so I, I could sense a little bit of the frustration with fasting. And I think that's where influencers come in, you know, sort of turning something, turning again, I always use the analogy of a hammer. A hammer can build a house or it can crush a skull. So don't, don't blame the fasting for what the influencers did. Fasting is an amazing tool used properly. And I don't think it should be used chronically and I don't think it should be used necessarily the same way for the same for everybody you know I have a lot a large variation in how I use fasting hmm. uh, Gina from South Carolina actually asked something similar so said can you talk about how you manage your fasting windows with your workout for optimal performance so it's all yeah and if yeah, you want to build muscle if you're trying to build muscle gain weight you know then then I, yeah I would say yeah have some have some protein a little bit of fat you know nothing nothing too big uh, and maybe like an hour before you work out um, you don't always have to work out in a fasted window, especially if you're trying to build muscle. But if you're trying to burn, utilize body fat, then uh, fasted workouts are great. Katie Sky again said, could the gold that was just found in that guy's garden be Civil War hold that uh, Shane Cashman was investigating before? I can ask. I was going to ask Shane about that on Friday um, because it's very rare that you hear anything about Civil War era gold that's actually found. It's usually people chasing legend. And suddenly, this guy is on uh, has stumbled upon hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of gold. I saw that. I saw you when you covered that story. I know. <laughs> I, I, I I live for those kind of that stories. Was great. I just love them. Yeah. Um, Matt Nice says, "Hey guys, wondering if Jay has any thoughts on the recent spike in thyroid conditions, like ha uh, uh, Hashimoto's and Graves' causes and treatments. I can think of four women I know, all in their 30s, who have it." The two things I think when I think of thyroid conditions are fluoride in the water, because that's uh, essentially takes the place of iodine, which is incredibly important to make thyroid hormone. And then I also think of autoimmune conditions, which makes me think of anything that damages the gut, which makes me think of glyphosate and, and other herbicides that damage the gut, because there's a process called molecular mimicry, where the body the body's immune system starts to turn on self. It, it has trouble distinguishing self from non-self. And very often, for some reason, the thyroid seems to be the first target. So I was always trained to address gut issues, heal and seal the gut, and then see if those autoimmune thyroid markers like Hashimoto's, if those uh, markers come down after some time on a gut healing protocol. So those are the two things that I think. Fluoride in the water, make sure you're filtering your water, and make sure that you're doing everything you can to buy organic. Um, that's why I eat. That's why my my diet is animal based. Uh, glyphosate does not tend to accumulate in animal meat and milk, so that's good. Uh, but yeah, those are the two things I think. Okay, all right. Uh, there's another one over here. Let's see. Uh, this is from Stickman Mike. Says good evening, Frank. Since Jay is on your is on your show tonight, I was curious as to what his the verdict is on the mineral uh, shilajit. Uh, uh, I don't know. Have you gotten anything more on that? So let me. I found a really cool paper. So I have tried it, and the verdict is you should definitely try it. Uh, we talked last time about it's rich in something called fulvic acid, um, and so that essentially. Some of the research is showing that it may be able to remove toxins from the body, but also block something called uh, tau protein self-aggregation. And that is why it's being explored as an avenue for Alzheimer's research. So uh, for people that don't know, it's a natural substance uh, found in the Himalayans. Uh, it's it basically 
plant deposits and microorganisms that have hardened full of minerals uh some uh, i've talked to a recently talked to a phd who was all about it he said it gives him a cognitive boost so i would say go for it see how it see how you feel see how it must be hard to, to to test new things on you when you've already done so much to work on your 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 optimal health that i mean what, what kind of real fluctuations are you going to feel uh, yeah i mean it is and i i you know it sounds a little bit ridiculous saying that but but it's true i i really do experiment a ton self-experiment but i i don't because i have worked on my health and my metabolic health and cognitive health for so long and really obsess about my lifestyle and diet very often i don't the lights don't come on when I try a new supplement or something like that. So I rely on other people that I trust who maybe have a genetic snip that makes them prone to something. And then they try a supplement and they go, wow, this, this really helped. Right. And so this PhD, he, he talked me through this and he said, no, this stuff is great. He even turned me on to a specific brand. I bought it. He said it was very clean. I bought it. I tried it. And I didn't notice a huge difference. That's just me personally, though. But the research seems to really support its efficacy, um, and 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 if, if you're worried about things like cognitive decline, or if you're thinking I want to remove things like glyphosate from my body, fulvic acid and humic acid are two things that have been shown to do that. Very rich in shilajit. So, well, the the second half to that question is, um, secondly, how dangerous is high fructose corn syrup? We hear a lot about that. It's it's one of those substances that over the years they keep changing the name of it on the nutritional tab so people can yeah. can lose track of it. Um, are are we in aspartame sucralose territory with that again? Um, not necessarily. Although most of it is genetically modified, so that's a huge problem. Um, and really, it's very it's similar to sugar, although sugar molecule is half fructose, half glucose. The reason it's called high fructose corn syrup is because I think it's about. 55 to 60% fructose, so it's a little bit more fructose than glucose. And, you know, fructose is metabolized primarily by the liver, and an overload of fructose can be detrimental to the liver. You can actually get non-alcoholic fatty liver disease through massive amounts of fructose ingestion. So I would say this. If it's a super clean version, in other words, it's not, it's not GMO, it's not, it's not going to kill you. It's not the worst thing in the world. But by and large, high fructose corn syrup is going to be in a food that's going to contain a bunch of other things. And usually it's in foods that it doesn't need to be in. Like you'll find it in a lot of ketchup. But there's really no need for high fructose corn syrup in ketchup because there are brands out there like Primal Kitchen or like when I get it from the Amish farm, there's just basically some spices, sea salt, apple cider vinegar, tomato paste, you know, so it doesn't need to be there. So I would say... It's not the worst thing in the world if you're getting the cleanest version, but what food is it also contained in? Because most likely, high fructose corn syrup generally doesn't travel by itself. Right. Okay. <laughs> it travels with other uh, suspects that I would be concerned about. Um, so better to just avoid it because then you're avoiding ultra-processed foods. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, that, 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 hey, that, that should have been a rule of thumb for a while. And whenever I see it, gone. I, I mean, it's only been the last year that and I'm now looking for any kind of seed oil, you know, before that, I'm just like, oh, that's not, oh, And okay. remember, it's it's a 680 day half-life. So, so they incorporate into cell membranes. And that's the part I really try to get across to people is that you can't just be a weekend warrior with those things. You've got to get rid of them. And, and the other thing about high fructose corn syrup is that, again, it just continues to train your body to demand sweet. 
it, you know, it's in bread, it's in ketchup, it's in all these places it shouldn't be. And it just furthers that. I think it might create issues with satiety. So, you know, as I continue to think about it, it's like, yes, the molecule of fructose, the molecule, the molecule of glucose are not inherently dangerous to the human body. But the context matters. Well, what so. is it that you said? You, you, you brought up a really interesting, I don't know if it was, you can call it a biochemical or psychological uh, study where you put somebody in front of a gigantic plate of French fries. And yeah. if they were to, what, what, if, they, if they start becoming full, they would have a little bit of ice cream and then all of a sudden they can eat more French fries. Oh, again. It, was the, what well, was it? it was actually the exact opposite it's of the that. Opposite? But yeah, you remember, I think, did I tell that story here? I don't know. I forgot like what one sensation offset the other. What the hell was it? Yeah. So that's the concept of palate fatigue and how you can, how the bliss point can override satiety. So it was an ice cream eating contest. This ice cream eating champion was eating ice cream. Eventually he got to the point where he couldn't eat anymore. So he grabbed, he ordered a plate of salty fries, ate a few of those fries. And just that shift in taste was able to then override his satiety mechanism and he was able to go back and continue eating ice cream and we don't even fully understand how that works but the field of psychophysics is designed to create these hyper palatable foods and the sort of originator of that was howard moskowitz so i can read you really quickly yeah so palate fatigue is the feeling of boredom one experiences after eating some percentage of a large portion of food that has pushed their taste buds to the limit of tolerance for that same food. And so this is where Howard Moskowitz studies psychophysics, which is the relationship between physical stimuli and the sensations and perceptions they produce. Hmm. And so he was hired to actually biohack soldiers in the U.S. Army to get them to eat more food because caloric intake on the battlefield is incredibly important and apparently the rations were very bland and so the soldiers would not want to eat anymore so the u.s army after moskowitz graduated from harvard the u.s army employed him to hijack soldiers into eating adequate amounts of calories and he did this by by this bliss point uh mechanism and by hijacking their dopamine reward system wow yeah, it's really, really interesting. That is very interesting. Yeah. And I, I, for, I had forgotten how in-depth of a story that was. Yes, yes. And yes. By, by the way, for anybody out there who, uh, satiety, it's that's the, the feeling of being satiated. That's feeling of being full. full yeah. So um, yeah. I know that some that, that's one of those things, one of those words that I was just like, what the fuck? The fuck is... <laughs> I know, I throw that around a little bit like everyone knows all the words, so I apologize. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I, obviously, most people most people know, but for people who are just learning this, yeah. that's just... Yeah. That's a... Uh, the basic one. I actually love running into people who don't know those words because that means they're truly they're here because they're truly curious. Like when someone comes up to me after a talk and asks me the most basic question, they feel embarrassed. I go out of my way to welcome that person in because I, you know, there are stupid comments, but there are no stupid questions. Yeah. <laughs> so I love when people are that curious because it, it, I see the the sort of curiosity in their eyes, and um, so I, I encourage people to do that kind of stuff to ask those questions. Well, I have a couple of rumble rants here. Nine two five Wild G just says glyphosate. Yes, we've been talking about that. Yeah. Thank you. Nine two five. It's everywhere. Is this the real life? Says good evening, Frank and Jay. I wonder if Jay has any thoughts on uh, on reactive hypoglycemia contributing factors. Uh, friend is experiencing that. Thank you both for all that you do. Well, I need a little bit of background. Reactive hypoglycemia to. Uh, to a certain food, to a certain meal, to a certain medication. Um, so that's hypoglycemia is when blood sugar 
levels drop. Yeah. And so reactive, I would, I would, I guess I would need to figure out what, what it was a reaction to, but, okay. but it, but it is a, it certainly is a real thing. And when, and, uh, very often I see that in people who with, with either pre-diabetes or diabetes who struggle their, their, their insulin response is so severe that it can cause reactive hypoglycemia. So, so it could be to foods. Um, so for people like that, I, I tell them to get used to eating healthier fats um, so that they can help switch their metabolism over to not rely exclusively on glucose and then slowly drop the carbohydrates down to a level where those episodes diminish. But again, that's only going, I would need more information, but. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe we'll come in an email and I'll just forward yeah. it along. Yeah, sure. Uh, I know you do, you do the best you can. Uh, I know. I really try, try so hard. I feel if anybody out there that I have not responded to, it's not because I don't love you. Uh, <laughs> Hugh, Hugh Jadick says, <laughs> Hi, Frank and Jay. Question. While fasting, does uh, does taking amino acids or pre-workout supplements end your body's autophagy state? Oh, lots of controversy on that. I, I would avoid it. Uh, but the, the, the answer is nobody really knows because there's not really a great way to measure autophagy outside of a clinical laboratory. Um, you know, there's all kinds of people that say, well, if it's less than 20 calories or less than 30, but really everybody's pretty much guessing. But if you want... So here's the thing, it depends on what benefits you're really looking for. If you're looking for that deep cellular cleanup, and part of that is protein turnover, then I wouldn't do that. Because you want the body to find the damaged proteins, break them down into their individual constituents, which are amino acids, and then repurpose them. So you want the body to do that from its own store. So if you're taking branched chain amino acids or essential amino acids, you're sort of thwarting that process. But if you're just looking for the general metabolic benefit or the body composition shift, eh, that's not going to really make a huge difference. Okay. So you see what I mean? Like there's a, there's there's different. You have different end goals, and based on those goals, I would make a different recommendation. Yeah. Okay. Uh, here's another one. The Shane B says, "Can Jay break down the difference between total sugars and added sugars? Is uh, is it just how it sounds?" Well, very often, if I if I understand this correctly, is total sugar is the sugar that comes naturally in the food like if it's a dairy product like right. lactose so it sounds and then an add yeah and then an added sugar would just be whatever they did like high fructose corn syrup or whatever to make it sweeter so you want to avoid the added sugars as, as much as possible because most food has some amount of natural sugars occurring gotcha all right well let's see here this is what we're going to do now uh we are actually making great time this is we're not as overwhelmed as we usually <laughs> are so and we have about 30 minutes left so we're gonna take a really really quick breather come back and we're gonna open up the phone lines i'm gonna get to some of these other super chats that are on the foxhole and i i know the 30 29 minutes is gonna go by in a flash so 914 or 914-200-0269. Whatever the hell it is, we'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Hi, I'm Robert Lee. I own Coleman Liquidation. I sell mobile homes. I'm not going to waste your time. I'm going to tell it just like it is. These are mobile homes, not mansions. They come in two pieces. If that's what you're looking for, that's what I got. They're used. Some of them have stains. We cover that up. She decorates them. She sells them. These guys help me move them. A bouncer in Birmingham hit me in the face with a crescent wrench five times. 
and my wife's boyfriend broke my jaw with a fence post. So if you don't buy a trailer from me, it ain't gonna hurt my feelings. So come on down to Coleman Liquidation and get yourself a home. Or don't. I don't care. Recent polls have shown a fifth of Americans can't locate the U.S. on a world map. Why do you think this is? I personally believe that U.S. Americans are unable to do so because uh, some people out there in our nation don't have maps and uh, I believe that our ed education like such as in South Africa and uh, the Iraq everywhere like such as and I believe that they should uh, our education over here in the US should help the US or should help South Africa and should help the Iraq and the Asian countries so we will be able to build up our future for our children. Thank you very much South Carolina. Thank you for playing that thing. <laughs> you got it, bro. That was beautiful. Uh, oh, I know, I know. And it, it, you know what's scary is that how how old that clip is now. Yeah. I remember when it first happened. I think I was watching that night. I don't know why. Wow. Live. You caught it live. Yeah. I mean, just there's just things on television. You just watch things. We're always looking for something to make fun of. And uh, like for example, I was watching. Do you ever you uh, you know that that classic clip of the news reporter who was stomping grapes and she falls and she takes the wind out of herself? <laughs> yes. I yes. was watching that. Wow. I said, "Oh my!" And now, of course, there was no internet to run to, where you knew that that video clip was going to be instantly archived, shared, and go viral. That, I mean, that just wasn't. You have to wait. Sometimes you have to wait like years for these things sure. to pop up from the archives. Um, I don't know, it was a lot more mad. It was almost like catching lightning in a bottle to see that stuff back in the day. And uh, I have to give you credit. You know, you find some amazing clips, and, uh, you know, it's really a great part of the show is to see these new things pop up, and so sometimes I have to... I I'm going to have to start making notes of them because... I just think, you know, on the, on, the, on the shows that I appear on, they, they just make me laugh in between the breaks. People don't... I mean, I just think these things are hysterical, and I always think about you when they pop up. They help. They, they really help. They help. Yeah. Uh, you know, you know. I, I was talking about the other night. I wish that it was a little bit safer to do later, late at night. But um, when I have a couple, like maybe five to ten minutes left, and I'm just not ready for, for bed just yet, and I've just finished working, shower's done, whatever, I'll sometimes lay down. I'm, I know that I don't have enough energy in my eyes to actually take, pick up another book and read. Right. But I'm just going to, because my eyes will go crossed and whatever. Then I'll want to throw up. <laughs> so... I'll go and I'll check out some YouTube shorts or some Instagram reels. And sometimes I'll just cry from laughter. Yeah. It feels so good to go to bed. But there are other nights 
that you ju they you get fed nightmares. <laughs> the algorithm is against you. The, yeah, yeah, seriously. <laughs> I mean, there's no way to really go against it. You are fed nightmare fuel other yeah. nights. And I, I hate that shit. Yeah. But um, it's I, I love it. I those 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 videos that are <clears throat> hilarious like that, irreverent and funny. They really they're like medicine. They really are. I mean, I'm talking literally too because you can just feel your body, your biochemistry changing to happy, light. Vib vibratory yeah. feelings yeah. it's definitely medicine yep yeah and i mean I, you know i sent you that clip because it actually reminds me of what we're going through today and we talked about this offline but that poor girl you know when people don't know what to say and i'm going to include politicians and you know influencers everybody they feel like as long as they say the right words whatever the words of the moment are that will carry them through as if the statement they made had some kind of substance. That's what I felt like. And if you if you really watch that clip again, you, you know when you rewatch the show, look at the very end as the time is running out. She, you know, the buzzer has dinged, and uh, the guy from Saved by the Bell is, you know, about to, you know, he. I wish he had saved her before, yeah. but he was about to, you know, say thank you so much, Miss South Carolina. He, she says. For our children, you know, like she, she remembered that was the other thing, right? We all have to save the children. And when I think about things like C40 cities that we're going to talk about, and I think about all these other things, I hear politicians pandering to the public in the same way. Now, she was doing it in a very innocent way because she was clearly petrified, deer in headlights, didn't know what else to say. But what's the excuse for our supposed world leaders for doing this? Because that's what I thought of when I saw her. I thought, she's like, she's like a less polished Politician, <laughs> that's what she is. Like, like at the, you know? the Tim Scott, uh, Asa Hutchinson, all those people yes. who are getting rung up by yeah. Tucker, Tucker Carlson, yes. who asks the real questions, like real people want to have answers to, and all they can say is, th you know, the the talking points. There's no genuine answer and love him or hate him the one thing about trump is he is his own guy he is as genuine as the day is long with his answers you never know what you're gonna get and that's why i think someone like even ron DeSantis does not translate because there's something robotic about him there's something just i don't know what it is and uh, it's undefinable almost yeah you know but anyway that's when i saw her that's what i thought i thought wow everything we're going to today that's what I thought when I when I saw that clip. Just ju just say the words and we'll get through it. Yeah. So I yeah uh, I, I you should say I mean for example somebody asked me well, why do you think that people can't find so and so on a map I'd be like hmm that's a wonderful that's a wonderful answer <laughs> I mean a wonderful question I guess we would have to redirect all these questions to the federal agencies that are supposedly funding uh, education that should not exist maybe we should de <laughs> maybe we should fire that lady who was supposed to be in charge of educators wonderful yeah <laughs> and, but that's just the whole thing that that lady is is, is creating a, yes. a, a I mean she's she's part of the reason why we're getting just generation after generation a mumbling idiot. Uh, and, and I'm not saying that that's that's what was going on with Miss South Carolina. That was a confluence of unfortunate. Yes. It's television. It's, it, you know, I, I hate those. It, for the time that I used to watch those, because uh, um, we would watch those televised contests and stuff. Sure. And it's like, you know, oh, well, we were watching because we there's a bunch of, you know, pretty chicks from yeah. all over the country they're coming it's like each state's hottest chick it, you know it's <laughs> whatever we were stupid and young yeah. but i never I, I always thought that the okay solve the world's problems right now that Ridiculous. was stupid okay yeah play the clarinet 
do the ta- <laughs> do the do the tap dance thing, right? Whatever. Let, let's stop this. Yeah. So I, I that I always went easy on her just because of that alone. But yeah, a great clip would have been to take the question that the girl asked and then immediately cut it with the ranting teacher person when she says, why do you think people, students today can't find, you know, the United States on a map? And then you hear this teacher ranting and raving about something that nobody has any idea about. That's exactly why. Yeah. Because we're not teaching anything anymore. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if that was, if she went on a rant like that sometime today, the, the, the buzzwords she used would be a lot different. Yeah. She'd be talking a lot about equity and institutionalized racism and and that's what it would be systemic this, systemic that, the patriarchy. Well, speaking of that, so do you want to get into C40 cities right you now? You know, do that, yes. I, okay. and I, I'm so sorry I teased everybody with open lines. Uh, maybe we can get one or two in toward the end. We got to get this. This is incredible. So you might ask, Jay, what are C40 cities? Because I certainly didn't know. So I'm going to read you just very briefly from their own website. And here, here's the thing about C40 cities. Most people don't know what they are. When I was down in Tennessee, I took a, a, a little poll. Right. While I was on stage, asked people if they knew what these C40 cities were. Did nope. Jay Dyer knew? Uh, he wasn't in the room no? at the time I took the poll. Oh, okay. Yeah. But, uh, but nobody raised their hand. So C40 cities, they are mayors. Uh, now, keep in mind what we just talked about, Frank and I, about the buzzwords. Uh, C40 mayors work together across borders in order to protect people and communities everywhere and build a more sustainable, resilient, and equitable future. What the hell does that mean? What does that mean? Our work in this area helps cities to implement solutions to make it easier for people to eat more plant-based options. Well, there's another buzzword. And waste less food. Doing so will help reduce emissions, improve health, and equity and enhance climate resilience around the world. These are quotes right from the C40 Cities website. Uh, And so they focus on six factors, and they're going to monitor six factors of your life. Food, construction, clothing, vehicles, aviation, and electronics. So basically everything that you do in life. And we talk about our mayor, well, not our mayor, but mayor of New York City, Mayor Adams. He is now because New York is one of these cities, is going to be tracking meat and dairy consumption for your carbon footprint. So Frank, if I go to my local grocery store and I buy too much meat and I'm using my credit card, or at some point, I know you want to bring up you know, the, the sort of, this is in conjunction with the push to a digital currency. No doubt. They could just say, hey, you know what? You've had enough meat for the week. And they go based on the Eat Lancet diet, which I believe, I did the math, allots 1.5 ounces of meat per day. 1.5 ounces yeah. of meat per day. 10 ounces per week, I think was the, I, I haven't done the math in a bit, but but I, I recently did the math and I was blown away. So that's C40 cities. And if you want, uh, and so don't feel bad if you haven't heard it because most people haven't. But if you're curious, I'll just do North America real quick. Austin, Boston, Chicago, Houston, Los Angeles, Miami, Montreal, New Orleans, New York City, Philadelphia, Phoenix, Portland, San Francisco, Seattle, Toronto, Vancouver, and Washington, D.C. And it's not just North America. It's Latin America. It's Africa. It's Europe. It's Asia. It's Australia. It's everywhere. And this is all sponsored by the WHO? The U- what is this? So as far as I've been able to find, now this is just really hard to research. I've been researching it for several months now, and I have not really been able to uh, actually, there is a page if you want to. It's not World Economic Forum Associated, but Open Societies is a funding partner. Um, let me see if I can find it. Funding and partners. Yeah, there's a lot of them here. 
Bloomberg, um, the UK government, the Ministry of Foreign Affairs of Denmark, some places I've never heard of before, IKEA, uh, Open Societies, FedEx, Google. Yeah, so there's a lot of uh, Novo Nordisk, which is the company that just produced Ozempic. Yeah. So, yeah, so there's a lot of uh, the Clinton Foundation. Wow. Yeah, so there's a lot of people invested. The World Economic Forum is not, the World Bank is, but the World Economic Forum doesn't seem to be on here. But but everybody else is, so. So we're getting C40 cities. We're getting 15-minute cities. We're yeah. getting smart cities. We're getting digital currency. <clears throat> and they want to make sure that every, every f- major ecological footprint, so-called, that we uh, that, that that we leave behind is is itemized and tracked in the most meticulous of ways, yeah. and, and they and they say that this is all going to end inequity. Right. Yeah, I know this. <laughs> so it's Frank. So this is why I'm so glad we're talking about this because this is why I sent you that clip. This reminds me when I gave this presentation in Tennessee. I think I said those words: sustainable, equitable future, plant-based, climate resilience. You know, reduce emissions. None of that means anything. It is all complete nonsense because the data does not support it. So, so what they do often, and, and your audience will know this, but there's a, there, and I've actually heard you reference this before, but I don't think you actually use the term, but there is a scientific term for manipulating people based on emotion, and it's called the amygdala hijack. So that's the appeal to the fight or flight portion of your brain. If they make you afraid of something enough, you sort of the amygdala hijack hijacks the frontal lobe which is rationality reason that you know the sort of higher evolved brain and it it disables that and and for good reason because once upon a time if a saber-toothed tiger was bearing down on your camp you didn't want to sit there and go is this really a threat you know do do we actually have to you know it's just react and so the theme of all of this whether it's covid or climate change or whatever. I mean, you look at John Kerry. That man is beclowning himself on the world stage, but what is he doing? It's all fear. Scientists are afraid and they're making, they're telling us all of these disastrous things. Meanwhile, he never qualifies any of that with, well, what what scientists? You're using scientists as if they're one gigantic amorphous blob. Yeah. You know, not all scientists agree. Um, and what exactly are they saying? They're scared? Really? Well, that's not a very good scientist. Scientists look at data. Like that, you're talking emotion, but if when you notice, they, they're when, always appealing to emotion. When they bring up scientists, like I know exactly what you're talking about with John Kerry, too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because when they talk that way, I, I don't think of well-to-do, highly-trained people in white coats in a laboratory milling around, checking their microscopes and, and putting solutions into beakers and all that shit. <laughs> I, oh, the first thing I think to myself is the Oracle of Delphi. <laughs> I, I, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking about these... I'm thinking about these, I don't know, these hooded people, these, these clairvoyant uh, creatures mm. that are just huffing... The gases of a local lake in a in a cave somewhere, and coming out with visions for that need to be relayed to the rest of us by John Kerry. Yeah, I I don't even see when they said the scientists say I'm like who 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 yeah. can, go, can I can I gaze into the mirror that you're looking into? You know, I it's just so weird. It's lost all all of its legitimacy to me completely. And because we have no media, nobody asks the question, Frank. We have no protection by the fourth estate. So in any normal time, the media would be is there to say, hold on a second. What scientists, where's the data? What's the claim? But but I mean, the media is, you know, 
disappeared. They are just a mouthpiece of the state, just like John Kerry is. And my my fear, and this goes back to the to the health side of the equation. You know, we have a we have a dietary guidelines uh, doctor. She's got more letters after her name than I've ever seen in my life. But what that actually tells me is that she has very little real world experience because she spent her and she's a very she looks like a very young woman. So what that tells me is that she spent her entire life in academia, which is a dangerous place because you can so easily be indoctrinated with all of these thoughts. And so she goes on 60 Minutes and says that obesity is driven by genetics. That doesn't matter. You know, you could have a great diet and a great healthy lifestyle, but if your parents are obese, you're going to be obese. And it's like, wait a minute. Well, first of all, that's not true. But second of all, why are you on the dietary guidelines then? If there's nothing we can do about it, why did Joe Biden appoint you to the dietary guidelines committee? But this is the problem. So I actually believe John Kerry when he says scientists are running around with their hair on fire because some of them maybe have never left academia. So they don't actually go out there in the real world and, and, and experience what life is about. So I have a real, I'm taking issue with, with academics and with politicians at this point because they're all driving us towards this cliff of whether it's obesity, which is at unsustainable levels uh, financially, but also unsustainable levels in general. I mean, we're about to 2035. The World Obesity Federation says half the world's population is going to be overweight or obese. Half the world's population. 2035, not that far away. How is that possible, though? I mean, I actually believe it because I've been seeing these statistics. I found a paper from the Los Angeles Times in 2010 that was predicting but, this. So, but, but, but that would mean that most of China and India and Africa are, are, are over. How, how are they overweight? I thought that we had the real obesity crisis over here in the in the in the West. Well, we do, but I mean, they're, but they're 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 catching up. I mean, what Western food has? I mean, I think in certain areas of India, type two diabetes. Now they tend to be thin, diabetics, but diabetics nonetheless. But uh, but yeah, I mean, that's and and China has been uh, rapidly increasing their percentage of obesity that's of, of the population. You know what it is? It's all the mukbang videos. <laughs> It's all the mukbang videos. They, the, the, all, all these kids sitting around in front of a webcam eating piles of cheese. Uh, oh, actually, it's not in China. Not, it's not even cheeseburgers. The things that they do to food. To, or I mean, I, I feel like there is not one thing that they eat in China that is not tortured first. Oh, man. I don't even know what the hell these things yeah. are. Yeah. I, I, it's just incredible. I, I, and I understand. <laughs> you, listen, I, I'm I, I have my cultural blinders on here. It's whatever is normal around here is all I see as normal. Sure. So if I grew up around eating a giant snail raw, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I can't. At least it's a whole food. <laughs> Please, <laughs> all right. Nose to tail, but uh, yeah. Here, okay. So here's a. Did we get everything out on that? I think we did. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just be just be aware of this of this the whole C40. push, and yeah, fine. And my my action item is you've got to find some local farms to be able to either pay cash or pay credit or whatever but you know there's something called the beef initiative which i just found out about recently that ha that they go and they find farms to put on this database so just get out there and try to find some local sources of food because if this c40 city thing really takes off the way these crazy politicians want it to take off we're all going to be in trouble I, and it's only one front of it. You know, when you had, to, even when you got in touch with me about it, you texted me and said, hey, what do you know about this this C40, yeah. the C40 city stuff? And I um, I thought that you were talking about C60. Yes, I know. The I'm like, no, no. Car carbon 60. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, we can talk about carbon 60 if you want. I used to take it, but I yeah. never, I ne nobody actually, I never had a, a good understanding that stuck with me about what carbon 60 did. Mm. Um, 
And then he's like, oh, no, 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 no. Go check out what Mayor Adams just came out with. Yeah. And then I saw that, and I was like, oh. Yeah. They want to track every ounce of meat that we buy. Mm-hmm. So, um, and they say, okay, well, use cash. Yeah, well, it just so happens they're testing out our new digital currency right now. Mm-hmm. So uh, that, that's how much longer is that going to last for? Right. Um, right. I got a couple of things. Oh, another one came in from Michelle. Michelle here for you says, I was recently diagnosed with stage two cervical cancer. I have changed my diet to organic, raw, vegan. A naturopath told me to do the chemo and radiation because it's HPV related and won't respond to alternative treatment. Now, Jay, before you um, respond to that, uh, we had another guest of the show, um, uh, 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 Sean Sean Morton. Uh, and he, he called in, uh, I mean, he, he told me that his cancer whatever he was going on in his throat he said that um he was told no you just go ahead and get the get the radiation get the surgery done because it was it was viral and that all the treatments the natural treatments that there are are out there there's a difference between viral cancers and everything i mean there's a there's a lot here when you get into the weeds of things outside the mainstream conversation where there is only one problem there's only one source of the problem, or maybe multiple sources, but only one solution. Mm-hmm. Once you get into the weeds of what we're talking about, then it gets into these little subcategories. Yeah. And, and so what do you think about this, what Michelle is saying? So I'm not, I mean, I, what I'll say is I, I would encourage you to look at Thomas Seafried's research. And I would also say, because I, don't, I just don't know enough about this particular, this is so niche and it's not really my field, but I just hope that the naturopath knows what they're doing because... Um, I mean, this is, yeah, it's, it's incredibly serious. And, and if seafreen is right and cancer is a metabolic disease, then I would really want to address metabolic health. And I know, I know nutrient deficiencies can come from vegan diets. So, so I have my concerns, but again, would not want to speak out of turn here because I don't know the case and I don't know the specific situation. But, 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 but I would say again, at least take, you know, check out some of Seafried's work and maybe, maybe, and he does respond to people. So you can actually even reach out to him and he may say, you know what, what you're doing is the right thing because it's not necessarily about being vegan or not. It's more about removing the fuel source, which is generally speaking glucose, uh, or, a specific amino acid so um so it, it would be one of those two things but so i would just say you know check it out because it, it certainly can't hurt to have multiple opinions right no not at all and and i and the I, best of luck best I, of luck I, I wish uh michelle nothing but the best in her recovery absolutely and please keep in touch with the show too i'd love to know how you're doing and um i'm, I'm sure you're in good hands um let's see doug simmy thank you robert sarns thank you boys blanc c blanche sean joe witchy poo our four cents witchy poo again sean joe witchy poo rook castle says uh cancer is a metabolic disorder completely preventable and changeable says rook castle that's on on uh on foxhole Uh, Wichipoo, thank you. C. Blanche, NX17 says, Hi, Jay, I love your podcasts. Thanks. A lot of the <laughs> lot of the people who hang out with me on Sunday who are monthly subscribers of the show and sponsors, uh, that's how I found out that you're doing this on Locals. So, uh, on Substack. <clears throat> oh, on Substack. So, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so yeah, so it's perpetualhealth.substack.com. And, and I really want to start to push that because the Instagram world and actually the world of anything owned by Zuckerberg or any of the main platforms, you know this, Frank, it's just, it's like banging your head against the wall. But Substack has really started to take off. So surely follow me on Instagram. I, I try to be active there. But the more people are coming over to Substack and I'm 
getting extremely active there. And so, yes, so I always joke, it's not a podcast. It's a, it's a, it's basically real life conversations about whatever's timely in nutrition. So we, myself and a, and a fantastic nutritionist out of Canada, her name is Daryl Bouchard, uh, give her Substack and her Instagram a follow. She is, uh, she deals a lot with, with women and women's health issues. So the two of us just you know, she said, hey, why don't we just talk about some of these issues that come up? So we just recently did an episode on Ozempic. It's a big weight loss. Drug. Oh, great. So, we, you know, so we do like these 20 minute, 25 minute hits. So they're easily digestible. No pun intended. You can listen to them on your commute to work or whatever. Um, they're not long form conversations like this, but they're long enough to get our point across. We usually do it in two parts Sunday and then part two will be like on a Wednesday if there's a, a you know, a, a tail left on the episode. And we do it once a week and it's been great. People have seemed to be really enjoying it. And uh, we encourage people to send in questions because if the topic is popular enough, we'll do a whole episode on it. And so we do a lot of general topics and then we do some specific things. Like we did a whole thing on seed oils, which was really cool. Uh, we did a whole thing on glyphosate. So we really get to dig into the, the weeds. You get to hear my perspective. You get to hear somebody else's perspective. Um, she's former military, so she's got a different background than I do. And it's, it's just a really good, back and forth and, and and I hope people will, will come over there. You, you can support me there financially. You know, I, I do like a $5 donation, but you can also do it for free. I will always give everything away for free because I want this to be educational. So, so. I, I put, uh, as I usually do, perpetualhealth.co in the description. Can people find your Substack through that? Yeah, through, All right, the, good. through the link tree in Instagram, right, but but if not, it's perpetualhealth.substack.com. Okay. So yeah. it's, as, long as, as long as I'm uh, sending people on oh, a yes. path. Okay, good. Yes, absolutely. All right, uh, let's see here. Wichipoo says, is heart disease genetic? So there's always a genetic component to everything, right? Because that's the blueprint of the human body. But there's a ton of debate about what heart disease actually is and what it isn't. Um, without, this is, a, <laughs> this is a big rabbit hole. I'll tell you that the cholesterol hypothesis, the diet heart hypothesis is likely, most likely incorrect. And that typically what happens with heart disease is that it's inefficient mitochondrial respiration. It's damage to the endothelial lining of the arteries. That damage then needs to be repaired. Things like cholesterol, collagen, calcium, they are part of the clotting and repair system of the body. Those repairs eventually become thick enough where they form plaques and then that progression sort of goes as we, as we know it. So I would say that you can be genetically predisposed to heart disease, but air pollution, proper diet, proper exercise, all of these things can mitigate heart disease, grounding, things like that. These are all these are all scientific principles that help keep the body regulated. So that's the best I can nutshell a, a literal conversation that could take an entire episode. Okay. Yeah. There's, there's other things here too that I don't think we're going to have time for. Uh, T. Cross says, question for Jay, how much does blood type factor into uh, diet, exercise, and supplements? We've talked about blood type. I, I, I've I'm not sold on it. I'm not sold on how much it factors in. I But the, the, the professor who created the blood typing was a professor at my university and he's got some interesting research but i i, I i'm not convinced okay uh witchy poo 22 alan wrench uh thank you guys and gals so much i'm going to release the scratching over there and i know that we have some i know that we have some fun that is 
scheduled on quite frankly TV after the show tonight so make sure you stick around for that oh Jay I had another I had another thing over here for you if we had some time but I knew we wouldn't um, <laughs> they, they wanted to who's most likely to smoke weed and, and is it older NPR listeners they asked a lot of, a lot of I gotta have a I have to have a marijuana conversation with you one night okay we also um, have an RFK conversation because that's 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 timely yeah all right yeah we should do RFK we should do cannabis uh, well, well the next time you come on the first half we got to do the um, livestock oh. the, the meat the uh, ecological impact of meat farming things like that yeah versus we, we want to put some of these c40 cities arguments to rest and so we want to look at the environment we always talk about the health impact but you're right we should talk about the a- agriculture and the environmental impact of meat. i have a ton of research on that and it would be really informative i think for your audience if they if they're like okay i'm sold on the health aspect but it's still bad for the environment. We should go over well, that. Well, using this thread in particular that I have saved and immortalized, I've taken screenshots of it. It's a, it's an awesome thread from Twitter from years ago for a per, from a person that randomly blocked me. Um, I, <laughs> I remember that now. So I do remember very that. Very weird. Very weird. <laughs> I, I found this thread on, on Tumblr once, and it, it was a thread of this, this woman who was taking somebody to task, and she didn't seem like a conservative or anything like that, but she just knew something about farming, and she was not on the, the bandwagon of all cattle farmers should be killed, and that it, it's nothing but a drain on, on the, the ecosystem, it's nothing but a pollutant and all that, and put this person to, re- it, it, it yeah. put everything to rest. And yeah. it's, a, it's an awesome thing for anybody who doesn't know, and I wanna go through this thread with you and um, uh, maybe we can do that in August. I gotta find it yeah. in August you come in. That'll be the perfect time. We can do that and then that following weekend we'll have a barbecue together. Oh, hell yes. <laughs> All right, man. Well, listen, uh, you already did some plug-in over there. Um, perpetualhealth.co, you follow that link, three, uh, link tree through to your Substack. You're still doing your thing on Instagram, though you're getting throttled over there. I'm sorry to hear about that. Yeah, it's just the way it is. Well, yeah, on Instagram, they can also get to the Substack, so that's, that's yeah, you can find it there, too. Okay. Uh, oh, wait, there's one more thing in on, quite frankly, superjet.com. Matt Nice says, uh, is Jay familiar with amino acid therapy to treat depression and other mental illness? Uh, picked up the book, The Mood Cure, that goes into it, but haven't had a chance to really read it yet. Only very, only very little bits, but but I but amino acids certainly play a huge role in neurotransmission, and uh, so I'm sure the book's really interesting, and I would, I'd love to hear a book report if you you know when you finish it. Okay, yeah, well I I, I like to talk about. Um, I mean, amino acids are the building blocks of everything, so there's no doubt that they would play a role. I would put it that way. I'm very grateful for everybody out there, and Jay, I'm grateful that you've made some more time for us tonight, and um, and and all the best to you and your work. Well, always thank you for having me, Frank. And uh, we have so much more to do, so let's do this again sometime. Yes, it's essential for our life on this planet. So, And it, it never, ever really neglects what's going on outside because, as we say before, it's all connected. Yeah. And uh, whoever controls food and water and air, they control the, the, spe- the species. They do. And that's it. And, um, and of course, the mind, too. Mm. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'll see you tomorrow night for a Tuesday night engagement with you at 7 p.m. It'll be a fun one. Please share this with anybody who has never listened to the show before. I think any Jay Gulinello episode is a wonderful intro to people who have never experienced quite frankly in its fullest so uh, yeah until tomorrow have a good night I'll catch you on the flip side
quite frankly, is film for a live studio audience. And now our super chatter, starting with Matt Nice, Gina from South Carolina, Ruben, Stostube, Katie Sky, Gina, Katie again, Matt Nice, Stickman Mike, Gina and Stostu. Thank you to all of our wonderful friends showing support all night, especially over there on the Rumble, on this foxhole. We will see you soon, and we will see you often, hopefully. Good night. Nobody's got AIDS. I don't want to hear that word here again.